Okay. Anyway, everyone shut up. We got to go back into <laughs> too many tangents <laughs> for, for a podcast that is based on tangents when we're never going to get anywhere. Okay. Let's see if this works because it's been paused for a while. Here we go. Okay. Everyone shut the fuck up. Find the elements of both a theme park and a sandbox element. This is the worst podcast yet. We're here. <laughs> I could. I was pressing the button to get the stream to start, and I couldn't switch over. The, I couldn't switch over the scene. Um. So, so we're here. Uh, we're live, and uh, we're ready to unlace the chaos. Oh man, I swear, one of these days this will go off seamlessly. I'm like, okay, ready? Five, four, three, two. I'm like clicking. I'm like, like why isn't it going? I was like, well, wait, and then then it goes. I'm like, come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> how are you guys doing? Hello, Lord and Nuclear Tango. Thank you for coming and joining us. Um, welcome, welcome. <laughs> so we figured that tonight we would do a reaction to the AMA. So this could be a long one. Um, it depends on how many tangents we go and, and do. I'm wondering if we might need to cut it into two. It, it may take, it could take two, two sections, um, which may be okay because next week is no stream. And then the stream after that, right, is the... Uh, the dev stream. The October dev no, stream. Sorry. Wow. Is it? Is it? It's in two weeks, right? It would be, yeah, the 28th. Uh, no, they said. I, yeah. I haven't seen. The, yes. Yeah, okay. the 28th. Sorry. So yeah, yeah we, can, we can maybe cut this into, into episodes. It's okay, nuclear. If you, if you need to interrupt, that is completely fine. Uh, so we're going to, what we'll do is we're going to listen to the questions and then we'll pause and then we'll also talk about it. And we definitely want the feedback from the audience and everything too. So feel free to talk uh, and speak and get us on tangents. <laughs> yes. Tangents are the best. Yeah. So you're in the right That's place. What this whole thing is about just look at the title. <laughs> so with uh, with that said, I think we can kind of dive in. We'll get this intro uh, out of the way and, and head up to the first question. I Here we go. I only got bits and pieces of this, so I didn't, I didn't get to see the full start. What did everybody else think? about this <laughs> yeah, don't, don't spoil anything i didn't get to see the whole thing <laughs> got the first 30 minutes i got the tail end Hello, everyone and welcome to another stream that we are bringing to you today I'm let me uh turn that up for you guys last year that's a little sometime uh, quiet for oh, where are we for our alpha one test that we did Nope. And um, I had a really enjoyable time, actually, there we go. because there was a lot of fun questions. And obviously, you know, we have our monthly live stream. We're going into this blind. Awesome. We show a lot of things there. Um, and we try to dedicate as much time as we can at the end of the There's going to be streaming on November 5th, also. Okay. Uh, but obviously, there's just so yes. many questions that get asked from the What's that one? Really a great thing that you I'll find out. All those of you who are tuning in, um, that you ask these questions and you give us feedback. And so it means a lot to us. Uh, to be able to kind of have this exchange with you to kind of answer these questions. But from these answers, it spawns a lot of conversation in the community. Uh, we're going to be doing that conversation tonight. Um, and it's really important <laughs> for our team. Here we are. <laughs> Still a bit quiet on you guys then. Okay. Our team does. Yeah, it's pretty quiet. Often and look at the Reddits, look at the forums, you know, read the threads and the responses, the experiences that. Um, all of you have had across different games and obviously a lot of these ideas, a lot of these systems are very familiar um, to many of you out there. And, you know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel to make a there we go. MMORPG. All right. And a lot of our concepts come from the game sounds the same to me, but in the past. And we've yeah, kind of brought them right. together, as many of you <laughs> know, 
in one single game that is Ashes of Creation. So um, really excited to kind of go through this. We've we've obviously, as many of you are aware- I missed the intro. The I was still cooking my ramen when it, when it started. <laughs> and posted um, questions there. You had an opportunity to upvote the questions that you thought were most uh, pressing or that you wanted to get answers for. And um, the community team has put together these questions in a list of 50 that, you know, we'll see how many we get through today. Um, but yeah, they only yeah, had they had, a, of a, I had much of an opportunity to kind of look through them. So I'll be answering them a, a bit off the cuff, just obviously from my knowledge. I literally have to work a half hour early to go watch. There are some things that I can't <laughs> answer. Uh, of course, I will say that we'll be reserving the answers for later, um, but I don't expect that we will have that issue. So I have my trusty iPad here. I'm going to um, uh, to take a look at some of these questions, and we will begin. So I feel just as excited yeah, as I was when I knew it was left to one upvoted question <laughs> that was present on the on the Reddit thread um, was yeah, to win. Ashes will need a healthy <laughs> and active player base on each server. Do you have a plan in place to deal with server merges? Um, and that was asked by Hybrid PS2. So. Uh, to answer that question, yes, we do have a plan in place uh, for how we would want to go about uh, conducting server merges. Uh, for all of us who have played MMORPGs, we're aware that over time, um, you know, populations can dwindle on a particular server. Uh, new user acquisition isn't usually the strongest aspect of MMOs. Typically, you see a large portion of the population start on day one. And a lot of MMOs suffer a bit of attrition um, going forward from that. And of course, there are opportunities to recoup that population um, during expansions and during updates. Um, but ultimately, um, most MMOs that we've played fall into uh, needing to have server merges. Um, now, that can become a little bit complicated, especially when you're dealing things with things like property ownership and um, owning homes and and um, having mayors and castles, all of those things contribute to kind of a complication in how server merges are conducted. For Ashes of Creation, <coughs> excuse me, I might cough a little bit during this AMA, but I'm always so worried I'm about so sad going. that he's still dealing with that. Also, an element of world building, and that concerns me. He's obviously uh, come up now. Um, we know that Ashes of Creation will facilitate uh, regionalized server locations. And this means that prime times in those regions will adhere to uh, the associated time zone that they're in. And as such, server merges will be conducted within those particular regions between servers that share that prime time zone so that we're not mixing populations uh, with different regions as we do the merges. That's one aspect of the, of the merge strategy that we have as, um, as part of our uh, um, solution for server merges in the future. In addition, there is something that we would consider a weak and strong server. Um, when we think about pairing servers into those merges, we think about how the populations have progressed at the time the decision gets made to make a server merge, and we would have the weak server merge into the strong server. Um, depending on um, what that means uh, from the player's perspective of things like usernames and the ability to change those names because names are unique on a per-server basis, um, there would be an opportunity for players to make name changes who are coming from the weaker server. Um, and then when it comes to land ownership and property ownership, 
um, the weak server that's merging into the strong server, there's, there's two potentials there. Um, one, it would be a reset on those land ownerships and, and homes for both servers. And, and they would, uh, conduct, <clears throat> um, the opportunity to, to reestablish their ownership when that merge is complete, uh, or the alternative, if, if there's a much stronger server, um, then the weak server would be coming in with an opportunity to make, uh, that population reacquire those, those, those houses. Uh, this is something that is of course important. Um, and you guys giving feedback on, on kind of the types of strategies you've seen in the past. Um, would be super beneficial to comment on and talk about how you would foresee um, uh, server merges working best in Ashes of Creation. The second question. That's right, so we'll, all right. Let's stop there. Uh, so I did see. So I did see Nuclear Tango said that they were surprised that this was number one and that they, they didn't get much from this. I did though see there was actually quite a bit to unpack in this first question, and I'll let you field the the first half of this, Annie. Oh, well, I was gonna say um, kind of answering, uh, or responding to what nuclear tango said. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I don't have much personal experience with server verges. I've never had that happen on a server I've been on, but I think the reason that this was the number one question is because I think for people who have had that happen to them, it's a very big deal. So they want to know how ashes of creation is going to handle a situation like this. Um, and I mean, I could see it being pretty devastating if you like merge your server and like you lose your username because somebody else already has like, uh, you know, like he yeah. gave some good examples and like you can only handle it so many different ways, but it's, it's a unfortunate situation, I think for, especially if you're the one on the weaker server, but hopefully they can find some, some good alternative. So it's not a completely, um, like take and take situation. <laughs> could see especially with the how the node system is going to work like you if your server gets merged you are losing almost everything that was built up on that server so that that is like a pretty kind of heartbreaking thing and especially like he was saying where if you have your freehold right and then someone else in that server also has that it, it's sounding like as those merge both those people are going to lose that and it's going to be a who can get to their first kind of thing um, so that, that does seem a little painful, especially <laughs> if you are more established. My Excuse God. Me. I just, oh my goodness. I'm drinking a carbonated drink and it just like attacked my sinuses. I'm so sorry. We have, we have 19 <laughs> more questions to get through. We have 19 more questions <laughs> to commentate on. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep them somewhat brief, but, um, I could see too, like his, his response is, I would say somewhat generic to how server merges are handled. Which, if anybody has any thoughts or ideas on how they could handle it, I'm sure they would love to hear them in the forum. So head on that direction. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it would be a very difficult like thing to make clean because you are basically taking these mirror worlds, smashing them together, and then yeah, like what's what happens to people who are you know already in this one spot and someone's over there, and then it kind of sucks too if you're the weaker server where you know, with no fault of your own, you're playing there and that's like, oh, you got to change your name if someone else has it. I, I could see that um, being a bit contentious, but I did notice, um, so the servers being regional by time zone, I thought that's actually pretty cool. So yeah, I like that. I'm kind of excited to, just kind of excited to hear that because there is times where I've, I've played on servers where, you know, the, the time zone is completely different. It doesn't really seem like it's made a difference, but you do have times where you kind of load in. It's like, I think I may be on a server where no one only plays at night compared to when I'm playing. 
Uh, so it is kind of cool that you could choose a region based off of your time zone. And then also like, if you wanted to choose different time zones, obviously that's going to be an, an option. Uh, so right. I'm also in the same camp, but this doesn't really feed my copium of like what I was. Yeah, it, wasn't, it, wasn't it definitely really wasn't new information, but I think it's more reassuring to kind of know that they've already thought that through at least yeah. enough that they have an answer for it. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I, th I think this was, I, I am surprised though that this was the number one, um, voted question but again you know it is what it is i mean oh let's be honest the number one voted question was probably when is alpha 2 coming out and they just glazed right over that one <laughs> yeah. yeah alpha 2 win all right we'll move on to the second one. Oh, did we hello come on oh no oh no come on what happened i don't know twitch just failed me uh, ability <laughs> to maintain persistence uh to acquire and just progress um combat stats and uh the skill trees uh nodes leveling collecting experience all that stuff we saw and um, uh, that back as there was no nda uh present for Season, alpha one you. so those are kind of core we already got right? better internet michael does um, i don't know about how all right stop talking kind of steps up further a lot of that is putting in content for those core mechanics adding additional classes which of course uh come with different types of feature requirements on an ability system basis um, adding content to the quest systems, um, including events, um, adding aspects of the naval systems, um, the professions and gathering and artisanships. You know, a lot of that is, is what is being worked on currently towards Alpha 2's end. And of course, each time we have a monthly live stream, we show you guys progress in some of those systems, um, a large portion of which was our combat revamp. Um, which, uh, of course has, has taken a lot of player feedback as we go into iteration phases for that stuff. Um, but when we talk about, you know, what is outstanding, uh, work milestones that are required for alpha two, um, much of it is content, uh, because ashes of creation intends to be a very rich content game. We've always talked in the past about how we combine the elements of both a theme park and the sandbox element to create decisions that matter to open doors that have actual content behind them, um, as opposed to putting that kind of, um, responsibility on player driven mechanics that a lot of sandbox type games have utilized in the past. Um, so much of it is content related. Um, number. All right. So I did notice that nuclear tango said that this, this answer made them worried about the alpha two date and actually had, the it actually made me really excited because <laughs> I got the, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's fine. <laughs> Um, pretty much his short answer for what could have been a very, um, detailed question was that they're doing content, 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 like all the big things from that answer, all the big things are pretty much behind them and they're just working on filling the world at this point. So they're trying to add like the meaning into the world now, which to me, it sounds like they're kind of on the last leg, which again, this is speculation, but I feel like if they were not as far along as it's sounding like they are, he would have had a different answer to that question and yeah. kind of fleshed out more of what they're still working on instead of just saying content. Right. Like, like in there, he said that he is, they, they are going to be adding more to the naval system. So that means that there are already portions of the naval system finished and adding more to the artisan system. So it sounds like a lot of those systems, even though we haven't seen them, 
are probably already in some state of being close to maybe that doesn't even mean it's close to being finished, but it means that those have been being worked on, even though we haven't seen them. And we, we brought that up before is that we only see bits and portions of, of what they're actually working on. So there's a good chance that there's a lot of stuff we have not seen in that they could be further along uh, than, than they are. Uh, let's see. He seems somewhat exasperated about the amount of combat, combat needs, or, sorry, content that needs to be done. Um, so not to spoil anything, but he has a good reveal later. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. I already watched the whole thing. I did see, I did see the end <laughs> of this, but we can, uh, well, we can hold off too. I'll, I'll try to, I'll, I'll stop future me from talking now. Um, <laughs> but it, it did seem like there is, I think I know what you're talking about. It's going to be so hard for me not to bring that up right now. Uh, so going into this, I, I feel like to me, it seems like they need to flesh systems out, but it is really nice to hear that they already are, have been working on those systems and that they may be at a certain state where they need to add more content to them, but not actually flesh, uh, sorry, build them out. So it's more of a fleshing out, less of a building up from the ground, uh, ground up. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how I took it too, when he said that. All right. So let's move on to the third. Oh my God. So again, oh no. <laughs> is going to do this every fucking time? Okay. That's going to start pissing me off. <laughs> You're not allowed to pause it. Six. Okay. <laughs> anyway, everyone shut up. We got to go back into too many tangents. <laughs> For for a podcast that is based on tangents, well, we're never gonna get anywhere. Okay, let's see if this works because it's in pause for a while. Here we go. Okay, everyone, shut the fuck up. Find the elements of both a theme park and a sandbox element. This is the worst podcast yet. Matter to open doors that have actual content behind them, um, as opposed to putting that kind of um, responsibility on player-driven mechanics that a lot of sandbox-type games have utilized in the past. Um, so much of it is content-related. Okay, so now we're going into third. Um, Much of it is three. content related. <laughs> so the number, the number three voted question, how many abilities will be made or are planned to be made for each archetype? And this is from Sanic Explosion. Well. <laughs> um, oh, this one made me excited. It depends on the archetype. <laughs> Um, some archetypes will have some more active abilities available or some less active abilities available uh, than others. Um, it also depends on combination of uh, passives um, as well and how that interchanges with the active skill sets and the acquisition of those skill points and distribution of those skill points. Um, that's important. But when we think about, on average, what is each archetype going to have from, a, um, uh, from an ability standpoint, it's roughly going to be about 35 to 40, right? And of course, that doesn't mean that a player will have the opportunity to spec into all of those abilities. You're going to have a limited selection of skill points available in order to spec out your class. Um, and that's going to be important because it provides not only agency to the player to kind of make those types of decisions, but it gives a divert, <laughs> excuse me, it gives a subset diversity within that archetype <laughs> where de decisions kind of choose specialization paths within the skill tree for that particular archetype. Um, and we've talked about how, you know, we don't want to have um, what we, a lot of us have experienced in other MMORPGs, uh, obsolete or um, not utilized abilities, right? So we kind of keep that selection relatively uh, limited. Um, and pause. Okay, so hopefully when we come back, this doesn't, uh, this doesn't mess up. You guys are killing me in the chat right now. <laughs> I know, I'm trying not to, like, laugh out loud. <laughs> um, so, 35 
roughly 35 to 40 abilities for each archetype, which you can't use all of those. Right, you can only spec but in this. that number blew me away when he first said that. I was like, what? So not only do we have, how many classes is it? I forget. 64. 64. Yeah, not only do we have 64 classes, but each of them is going to have 35 to 40 different abilities that you only have a certain number, certain amount you can pick. So of each of the archetypes, you're going to have like diversity between like all the same summoners or all the same necromancers, just depending on what they pick. Uh, so that made me really excited. And because I, I, uh, since I've played games like Arcage, I'm actually not surprised to see this. So seeing, because there's so many different combinations and stuff that you can do in, in Arcage, but it wasn't like a, you, you pick these skills. It was just, you had all these different combos and, and, and abilities activated for you. Oh, you're right. Disorder. I, um, I've, <laughs> they said, um, it's 30 to 40 times eight. So for each archetype. So I was thinking for each, um, like summoner necromancer one. But even still, though, that's really impressive. Then time, then multiply that by eight to get your augments. And then is it still like, I mean, it's kind of like different, whatever. Um, anyway, yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're looking at 30, 40 uh, skills per, per archetype, base archetype. And then you have the augments on top. Either yeah. way, the 30 to 40 is actually really sweet. I think, um, especially since you are going to be limited to what you can choose and that you get to spec into them. And I'm pretty sure you will probably see, um, you'll probably see like rank one, rank twos, because uh, I don't know WoW used to have that too. You could, you could rank into different abilities. You didn't have to spend all your skill points in those. And what I really like about this is I think it's going to really lend itself back to a, a, an overall theme of having a lot of variation. And that's something that gets me very excited because I, I right. love I love the idea of building up my class to, to fit the way that I want to play them rather than having to I, I eventually like people will try to try to make a meta or whatever, but it's really nice to have ways to build out the class based off of one, the situation you're in and two, just, just the play style that you like. So maybe there is a certain ability you don't really care for in your class, but there's another one you can kind of like mix and match. Like it, it, to me, it just, it adds another layer of that. Um, oh, he, Steven always says it. Variation. I, not just a variation, but uh, <laughs> the player agency of you're, you're getting yes. to choose and, and figure out how you want to build out your class. So I just, I love it because you're truly going to be able to be unique. Like the chances of finding somebody who has everything picked exactly the way you do is very slim. And then um, a question that was later breaks that down even more. Um, I can't remember which question it was, but I'll, I'll circle back once we get to that one. <laughs> um, you threw me. I thought you were going to go into that too. Uh, I mean, he, no, I'll, I'll wait until he yeah, answers okay. that question, but <laughs> yeah, we, we can get back to that. Um, but, uh, nuclear tango had brought up that, it, you know, you've got like that path of exile kind of customization too. And I, that's one of the things I really loved about that game was that I could just, I could did not, uh, Jesus, I could dial in the character exactly how I wanted to play it. It felt really good for my play style. The only issue I could see coming up is if they, if it kind of flops the way that it did for ESO, because ESO has so many different talent trees, so many different skills you could use in that. And the end of the day, I also didn't like that you could only use six. So I think if they had opened up how many abilities you could choose, 
that really could have changed things. Right. For them. Yeah. I I felt really limited on that because there are so many cool abilities and it was really hard to pick only six of them. Right. And you, you end up pretty much choosing the same thing everyone else does because why are you going to choose one that adds flavor that takes away from your character? So, right. So as long as they can make it so that, well, obviously there's going to be bad builds. Like, so <laughs> not every build is going to feel good, but as long as they make it so that there is a variety of different builds that feel pretty on par and at least make it really hard for people to, theory craft the best one because like you know that people are going to try to build out a meta and i really hope this does stay to the anti-meta game um so if anyone else has any more other things that they want to bring up um Tango says it will be nice to be able to have uh some save talent trees oh it would be nice to be able to have save talent trees that you could swap to when in town that actually would be pretty cool i agree that's a really good idea um honestly you should probably post that in the their suggestion box. <laughs> and it's true. Like in, go the to the forum. Go to the forum. Make sure you have that voice heard. I think that just sounds really cool. So, uh, so that way that you can have. Oh no, you're getting a cough too. No. <laughs> no, it's just honestly, it's it's from the booze. Um, so that way you can have your your like you said your your solo farming, or also have a spec for say you would have your PVP spec. You would have your raid. You'd have spec. your group spec. Yeah, oh, for like when you're with okay. a group. Uh, so that I knew what Tango was saying that that's confirmed. So that is really cool oh, having multiple cool. specs for your class. I like that. Uh, Very cool. All right, cool. So we will. Oh, question four is my favorite one. <laughs> okay. Next question, number four question. I'm not sure if it's a good thing that it's number four or number one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a simple question. How are you, Stephen? Oh, I, I thought I love this for one too. <laughs> I'm doing very good. You know, we've we've had a, an awesome um, year this year. And we His cough always worries me. Activities and streams that are for real. Uh, I know he's had it since the. December. I'm pretty sure he had COVID. Um, he's had it uh, right before the last um, to, life. Uh, I think this is extra life stream. Doing extra life, which is going to be next month. I'm excited um, for that. I love when they know, do the extra life. That's always a yeah. fun time. Um, but more importantly, <laughs> oh, I hear Steven say you know, again. What keeps <laughs> my heart warm? Um, he's got some pipes. You know, building and building games. Especially because he was sick when he was singing. <laughs> uh, building an MMORPG is probably the most difficult type of game that you can build. Um, and our MMORPG is a particularly ambitious one. So um, <clears throat> there's a lot of work that goes into it. And, um, you know, it, watching the team. Oh, my God. Don't even say that. Don't even say that. Declare all these so sad. To make you guys proud to make me proud to make each other proud um it takes a it takes a toll it's a, it is it is a difficult job um making games and my desk isn't even real wood <laughs> you know, that being said, we built an amazing team at intrepid and it feels very much like a family so <clears throat> getting up each day and and going to into the office and working with you know the colleagues at intrepid um is a delight um, and it's something that I've thoroughly enjoyed over these years. And also being able to interface with you guys in the community who are fellow MMORPG lovers and enthusiasts, you know, who have, who have confidence and faith in us to deliver a product that is going to answer the call that, that many of you have. Um, that is a very exciting prospect and it keeps me, um, it keeps me very motivated. Um, so that's always great. You know, I just, I guess I'll touch on this, uh, a point real quick. <clears throat> you know, recently I've, I've heard some discussion, um, 
you know, from different parts of MMORPG genre. I know where it came from, is about, <laughs> um, you know, why, why follow a development process? Why not wait until the product is complete and, you know, try the product then and, and talk about it then? Um, and I just want to stress that as consumers of this product, as consumers of this genre, as players of MMORPGs, this was so well said. Us have felt yeah, that was. genre has gone in a direction that doesn't represent what the player base wants. Um, and one of the very important aspects of our development process is that by having this following of the development, this interaction, this opportunity to provide feedback, this opportunity to get a look under the hood and watch development over time and see things progress and communicate with the developers and give your thoughts and opinions and experiences, that's a very rare opportunity for the consumer to dictate the course to a degree, to dictate <laughs> the course of what a company or a product provider is giving you. Um, and it's a rare opportunity because <clears throat> oftentimes these developments go for years without ever touching the consumer base from a feedback perspective. And the opportunity to provide iterative feedback during that process is lost. And when the product gets completed, there's not much you can do at that point other than hope to update in future expansions and correct and iterate in that regard. But as we know, a lot of products only have one chance at launching. Sometimes that's not the case. There are, of course, you know, there are, of course, examples where that's not the case. But the opportunity to get involved early and during development is a very important consumer responsibility. And I think that, that demonstrating that as part of our development process has brought in a considerable amount of benefit to what Ashes of Creation hopes to be as a product. Um, so I wanna thank you guys for participating in that. Those of you who are watching, those of you who comment, those of you who interact with us on a monthly basis for our live streams, I know that it is, it is something that takes a lot of patience to watch something you've dreamed about or that you have a strong desire to play. Um, and and it, it is something that's difficult, but we really appreciate it at the studio. Uh, so I, <laughs> I love listening to Steven talk. I Same. am. <laughs> I just, I'm so passionate with, with I, I, uh, sorry, I, I feel a lot of passion for this game because of listening to Steven talk and the way that he speaks of this game. And you don't get a lot of people at this type of level that are in this, uh, that have this much of a hand in the game or are this close to the game. And you can tell that Steven loves this product. He loves the community that he's building. And it's just a completely different approach to game development than it has been in the last few years. Um, I can't think of another time where I've seen, am I going to tear up? I honestly, sometimes I do get, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do get pretty overwhelmed with watching and listening to Steven talk about because of how, how much he, how much passion you can hear behind it. And you can tell that he wants it to be really good and that, it's something that he's excited for. And you just, you don't see a lot of people who have one, have this level of passion, but you don't see people that are on the top of like 
big endeavors like this that that bring that forward. And it, it's just so refreshing to see when Stephen talks about these things. I never think he's bullshitting us because it's just yes, he's so genuine. Like you can't even deny that it's coming from like his heart, pretty much. Like when he's talking about it, you know. And that that right there was what really sold me on Ashes of Creation. Was as as cool as the game is, as as cool as all the different aspects are. It's really the team behind it and, and who's leading that charge and listening to everyone that works there and when they get on the live streams and they talk about it. And you can just tell that everyone loves what they're doing. And it, it, it's amazing. And, and the fact that like we can touch this product on such a um, t tangible level where you can go into the forums, you can say what you like, what you don't like, what you would like to see, and that they are listening to that feedback. They are very receptive to it. And then even like, yeah, there, there's a, there's a, a cost entry to getting into the alphas and stuff, but like being an alpha one and being in there and talking to them and even seeing how quickly they, they resolve things. And when we brought up, Hey, like combat doesn't feel very good. And then in mid, mid alpha one, they're like, Hey, do you guys want to try the split body thing? We can like try that, see how you guys feel about it. And it, it it's just so awesome to see that like a company moving this way. And I don't know if I talked about the last podcast or if I talked about it on a, 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 just a random stream, but it's gotten to the point for me where if I listen, to, if I see a game is coming out and I hear about, like, I don't know anything about it from devs or anything. I start to feel dis like, I don't, I don't feel attached to that game. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, this just seems like it's another cookie cutter game. that's going to fail. There is something where open development has now changed the way that I view games. Where I'm like, man, if, yeah, if you can't be this open and you can't show us these things, like, I don't know if there's passion behind that. And I don't know if I really want to play a game that there's not a passionate team behind it. I'm waiting Yeah, it's definitely yeah. when, sorry, I was reading the chat. Um, <laughs> when I, when I listened to the, his answer to this question earlier and the, like, I just, you know, you can just feel it like that's. And he doesn't really answer a lot of questions that are like a personal question like that. So when he does get those, like you, and he's passionate to start with when he's talking about the other stuff, but it's more so just talking about like the content and things like that. But when he actually gets a chance to like speak from his heart, like you can just tell that's, it's just genuine words. And like, he's so excited about this. Like, I think back to what you're saying about like the devs creating this game and how they're so passionate is what makes us feel passionate about it. I feel like this could be the exact same game that's coming out, but if you had different devs working on it, and I'm thinking of like a few different games that have some pretty crummy devs, if those were the face of the company, I would feel completely different about this game. I We probably wouldn't be having a podcast talking about it, even though the content sounds good. It'd just be one of those, we'll see where it's going kind of deals, you know? Right. Cause specifically for me, it was just, it's list that listening to Steven talk about it was one of the things that sold me on it. Like it, it wasn't the game that made me want to buy into the alpha. It was listening to the team and wanting to be part of this, like on, on another level too. Like I, I just wanted to show my support, show like, this is how game development should be. And, uh, it, it's just really exciting to be here right at, right at the start of this, um, I had a place where I was going with this and I, I completely forgot what I was just going to say. <laughs> Same. Damn it. Um, uh, that meme that was like, when I forget what I'm saying mid-sentence, and it's the guy who's like blinking 
but like when he opens his eyes, he's old. <laughs> yeah. That's something good too. I had it. Uh, <laughs> if it comes back to me, I'll bring it up. All right, guys, we'll move on to the next one. Damn it. It was so good too. I had something poignant to say. I don't remember what it was. <sighs> You'll think about it at uh, three. I will. I'll like, I'll start a stream at like fucking 4 a.m. and be like, guys, it was this. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the next part. All right, number five. <clears throat> Question. When can we expect to see how secondary archetypes work in game from the dictator? Hmm. So I've answered this in the past. Uh, I actually just want to respond to what Nuclear Tango had said. And they said for them, it, it was uh, having uh, him calling Summit Asmongold while driving home from the office, telling how, uh, how great it will be. And honestly, listening to Steven talk to Asmongold and talking about, like, he's, he's rapid fire, just saying all these different things. And I remember what I wanted to say. So I'll say that at the end of this. Um, <laughs> he was rapid fire, bringing up all these things. He's driving to Vegas or something like that. And he, he he's just on the road and he's just boom, boom, anything. He's not missing a beat. And you just don't get that. That's how you know everything is all locked up into his head. He knows exactly. He's got a plan for what he wants to do how he wants it to play out in that this is, this is his baby. This is something that he want. Like he, it's something he wants, not something that he wants us to consume. Like it's something that he personally also wants. And that right. is just so Pretty, cool. He's making this game for himself. <laughs> yeah, dude, if I had the money, we all get to play it too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so also I remember what I wanted to say. And I, when I was saying was one of the coolest things about what, what could come from this podcast is if I ever got the chance to just talk in an interview with Steven, because I think just, just listening to how the way he speaks, I just, to be able to just have a conversation with him would be awesome because he does seem like a very genuine person. He's, he seems very down to earth and, and it's, it's, I mean, he's doing the stream and like in his home, like he's inviting us in his home to do this too. And like he did, he does it with the, the, um, the extra life too. Like it's just very cool to see this and to, to be experiencing this. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's where I want to go with that. But we can get back <laughs> in this. That's, that's our streaming goals right there is to I would at least it, get um, popular enough that Steven wants to go on our show. <laughs> all right. So we'll, we'll start. We will be experiencing uh, secondary archetypes and you will likely be seeing them very soon in some upcoming streams but you will be experiencing them in alpha two to some degree. Um, this is really what makes a class feel different from an archetype. And to make sure we're clear on kind of what that terminology differential is, archetypes are the base eight versions that you select. Classes are the combinations of the secondary archetype you select uh, halfway through your leveling process. Um, and it can dramatically change both the role as well as the active abilities that the primal type provides you. Yeah. Um, and so we <laughs> want to make sure that Alpha 2 has a healthy amount of those um, secondary archetype choices, especially when it comes to augmentation of abilities, um, because that is an, an integral role in defining um, what these classes represent. So Alpha 2 is the answer to that. <laughs> Number six. Alpha 2. <laughs> okay, so can we touch on that for a second? Sure. Your secondary <laughs> archetype is going to potentially define your role. And I've been I've been thinking about it and thinking about it of, of how I want tanks, how I personally would like tanks to be. And I I want them to change the name tank because it, it just it screams role. And I really think that 
that should be defined. If it goes the way that I, I hope it goes, is I would love for the first eight archetypes, right, to give you your base abilities. Obviously, as you're leveling halfway through, if you choose tank, you're going to be the tank for the majority of that. Once that opens up, I want that any class that chooses tank to now change that class to the tank. Because I think that makes eight very unique play styles for tank rather than having one tank that has different augments. Because I've been looking at the system and I get really excited about this because I love tanking, but I've, I've been looking at the system and I'm like, man, like you're really just going to modify, you would have the same tank. He's just going to have different abilities. So instead of a charge from a fighter, he's going to have a blink from the mage. Like it's still going to be a tank, but I would love to see what happens when you take, say, the uh, mage and then add tank to it. Like, are you getting like um, a mage armor where you can cast your casting ability where now you have like tanking armor? You know, are, are you now doing like kiting mechanics? Or like, there are so many more unique interplays that could come from the secondary tank, um, the secondary archetype being tank changing that main class that I think would come from taking tank and then adding all those different augments. So I, I, I really hope that that's how we, we see it. Uh, so yeah, so you, it would be halfway through because you don't get the, the secondary archetype until halfway through leveling. And I believe max level is 50. 50. Yeah. So, so it's 25 is when you pick your secondary. Right. So at 25, you get your secondary archetype, but I, I would love to see it that you're, you're able to change your main excuse me, the main archetype to tank. And that's the only real takeaway I have from this because it's the only thing I'm focused on is like what type of tank I can build. Um, and I'll, and I'll, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on this? No. Um, yeah, you pretty much covered it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Nuclear Sango says that we will have the summoner tank, which is somewhat different vibe. I know I'm really curious to see how that works too. Is, is like, are you summoning beasts to be your tanks or are you summoning different things? I really... The summoner is one that has been very, like, it's, I, I need some clarification on that because it, it changes so many different things, uh, or sorry, it could be so many different things. And, and I, I want to have like a definitive, like, this is what the summoner does because like, it, I cannot really wrap my head around like how, you know, a summoner fighter would work or, or any of those things. I, I have a rough idea, but I'm probably pretty far off. Um, are, am I familiar with uh year from League of Legends, not not a ton. I didn't. I played a league a little bit, but I, I don't know too too much about uh, all the characters. Um, let's say Surgeon General uh, says, "Yeah, at level twenty five, you get your class." I know that's going to be so exciting. I can't wait for that. I'll let you guys talk and chat. We'll play this and we'll we'll look to that. No, keep listening. Next question: Can we expect to get any pre-alpha spot tests this year or early? next year and would those be <laughs> on nda from lineker 180 um yes we will be having spot tests um well we are technically we're already doing spot tests internally um we do that uh <clears throat> right now uh but we will be including spot tests with some of uh individuals from the community um as part of the next several months um, and so as part of the next several months, be that's going to happen. Um, and that's because there are specific core systems that are part of alpha two that we want to, uh, test. These will be very short geared tests, likely, uh, hours long, starting first with some portions of the community that are people always ask from alpha one and for alpha two. 
Um, but when we have uh, dates uh, solidified what was for that? this test. Well, I got there is communication. I don't understand what's happening. There was like a random ad about the play. I apologize for that. It's <laughs> like it was talking <laughs> through email, of course, to the accounts that you have you, with us. Um, and you'll be made aware uh, well in advance of when those uh, tests are upcoming. Uh, and to remind you, of course, Alpha 2 is not under NDA. So when Alpha 2 starts, uh, that will not be under NDA. So yeah, with with him saying that it's certain individuals, I'm, I am wondering, is it going to apply to Alpha 1 testers or is it only gonna be PI, where, which is the Phoenix Initiative? And it also makes me wonder, have those motherfuckers been able to play the game this whole goddamn time? Because if they're under NDA, NDA we have no idea. And that makes right. me really wish that I had backed the goddamn Kickstarter <laughs> instead of like waiting, but it, it is what it is. But I, I've been wondering that too, because I, they kept saying, you see it every time, like when the, when they go on stream or something, they talk about, you know, how they're, they, they are having spot tests. And I'm like, I haven't, I, I've been sitting here as an alpha one key holder, like when are we getting alpha, where are we going to get spot tests? Where's spot tests coming? It's been over a year. When are they coming? <laughs> they probably been happening. We just weren't invited. <laughs> so if you probably got your, your key, um, through, through the, the, the packs, we might not be, we might get invited later onto the party because I guess for alpha one PI had started sometime, I think they started like much, much earlier. And then, uh, then we got the whole alpha one experience. So yeah, maybe it could be some type of uh random lottery. Um, let's see, it is hearsay and rumors and I've heard Kickstarters have been playing already. <clears throat> I mean, it, it is possible because I, I mean, there are PI, so th they were like the top echelon of people who, who, uh, th did the, the Kickstarter. So that's the Phoenix initiative. That was like the highest tier or something like that. I can't quite remember, but yeah, so there's a good chance that some, some people have already had their hands on things. So that's another thing too, is like people talk about, oh, Ashes isn't out yet. It's, it's all this. But also there's another side of there's probably still people testing and we don't know because there are some things under NDA and those people aren't going to break those contracts. Right. Exactly. And it, I mean, it would be pretty bad for them too. Like you're not going to see a streamer go ahead and talk about that. I do have one specifically I'm thinking of and I'm like, he's probably been playing. <laughs> Damn it. Let's see. He mentioned that the Ranger update uh, is where they ended up after some feedback from players after continuous iteration from Alpha One. See, and that's the thing too of like, you know, they, they it's a good it's a good estimation that probably the PI testers were testing out like the Ranger during that time frame. So, right. if you really listen to the verbiage about things that are said, you can kind of get hints <laughs> just the right. way things are spoken of in the the words used <laughs> and i don't know if that's a high amount of copium on ourselves <laughs> or if we're just you know you can kind of like because people do kind of slip up when they're, they're speaking and you kind of listen to past tense and also like what what tense they're speaking in and uh yeah it, it infers that the people um exterior from intrepid are playing so yeah we have no idea where this game is in development we have absolutely no fucking idea we, we don't like, it's so hard to even speculate because they are trying to get alpha two ready for like, to be a showcase. 
but you have no idea how many people have already been testing alpha two or alpha 1.5 and giving that feedback of, Hey, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good. Maybe we should get this ready. So there's like this whole sub, this whole group that we're, <laughs> you're going to go with somewhat inside information. Don't spoil it. Don't tell people I'm getting in trouble. Dude, that was uh that was a thing too, is that March 2023 guys. <laughs> <laughs> when, um, I wonder too, because sometimes narc seems to have some pretty insider information. I wonder, I wonder if he's getting fed some stuff, but, uh, we'll, we'll move on before I get into a completely wormhole of wondering who's playing, who isn't. I uh, know we're only like on question five and there's 15 more. Uh, so, so that, that date was one that, uh, we were, we were, we were joking around, um, about. That's, yeah. That's our estimation is like mid-March. Yeah. Mid-March is our guess, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's just us. That's just a guess. Okay. Question number seven. We're definitely not credible, so don't listen to us. <laughs> not at all. Assuming that staffs are melee weapons, could you explain briefly what are the main differences going to be between orbs, wands, and spellbooks as magic? Oh, this made me so excited. From Bliss Pliss. Um, <laughs> so. Can you turn it up slightly? Some staffs actually will be ranged. Yeah, one's an interesting note. Um, some staffs will be melee. Um, the main differences between what orbs, wands, and spellbooks represent as magical ranged weapons are going to be in their weapon skill trees. And it's important to note and remember weapon that weapons themselves have their own bespoke skill trees that through using these weapons will provide you passives as well as proc-based type benefits that you can spec into as you are progressing within your experience of that particular weapons skill tree. Um, so that's the primary difference. But in addition, obviously attack speed, attack range, um, different types of stat bonuses and waterfall stats that can be present on those types of weapons. Those are all differentiators between, um, not just ranged weapons, but melee weapons as well. Okay. So. There was so much about that question. That made me super excited. I did not realize that the weapons were going to have their own little skill trees and that you could customize them to the extent where you have a staff that you could have either be melee or range. Well, see, so that's so cool. <laughs> see, during, during Alpha 1, they did show that there was a weapon skill tree, but it was like kind of grayed out because it wasn't ready yet. One of the things Yeah, that, yeah. One of the things I picked up from that, though, was it sounded like the more you use a weapon, the more skilled you get at. And I like that. Um, WoW used to have that. And it, I, I always remember there was a bit of fun taking a weapon you were unskilled with and like using it against a training dummy or, or, or trying to become more proficient in that. And I definitely, I really like the idea of getting better with a weapon over time. And especially since we're going to have all weapons available to us, I think it'd be pretty cool of you're in the world, you run around, you're, t you're what is considered a melee class. And then all of a sudden you pull a crossbow out because you've been hunting deer with it the whole time. No one has any idea. And you start like attacking people from, <laughs> from a range distance. I think that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I, li I like that they're bringing back having uh, one weapon skill trees, but also like being skilled in those weapons based off of using them because that makes it again, more unique to your play style. If you're someone who's always picking up axes and you only train in axes, like it would be very cool that you are now more skilled in that weapon. We're like, I'm never touching a bow. I don't need the bow. I'm never going to touch it. 
but I, I really do. <laughs> Tank whips out his staff and fire blasts you. Like, it would just be so random. And what I really like about it the most is that it, it just, again, it's that variation, the customization. You can tell there's a lot of pulls from one older MMOs, but also from tabletop RPGs. And I'm a giant nerd when it comes to that. I have so many, literally above my desk is just Pathfinder 2nd Edition and 5th Edition D&D. &D. <laughs> that's literally all that's above me. And it gets me so excited of like, you know, theory crafting and, and what, to, what you want to like, how you want to build out your character. And I just love that they're bringing back role-playing into MMORPGs. Right. Well, that's what I was going to circle to when I was speaking earlier when we were talking about all the different abilities for the different archetypes. And yeah, so on top of having 35 to 40 different abilities, you now also can customize your weapon to add more variation to the way you play your class. So it's just overall really cool. I love the amount of just variety and variation that is going to be in this MMO. Like that's kind of what my life revolves around is variation. So <laughs> like it's, it's good for me. I know I, I very much enjoy having something new to dive into and, and play around with. It's extremely exciting. And I, I mean, a, again, too, like I can understand why people think this is such a massive undertaking of a game because it really is like they have so many different systems that are going to need to work with, you know, work together. And uh, so I feel like they're going to need help with those spot tests. Steven, if you need help with spot tests, <laughs> I'm just saying that, uh, you know, some of these alpha one key holders would definitely enjoy helping with spot tests. <laughs> yes, please. But no, I, I'm really excited about that. And I, one of the things too, that I really like is that weapons have a different feel to them. Like when you're seeing the short bow versus the long bow, you can tell that there is a significant difference between how those weapons work. And it's like, man, how does the great axe feel against like the red? I'm going to keep bringing up axes because I love axes. It's my favorite weapon to use. <laughs> um, but I, God damn it. I just want to play this goddamn game. That's all I want to do. <laughs> could you, could I keep it a secret though? I'd have to, I think I could. You, you guys would just not see me all week. Like, Hey man, I haven't seen you on stream. Yeah. I've been busy with work or something. I don't know. Fuck off. <laughs> it would make the podcast very difficult though. It'd be like, yeah, we were, hopefully they get to, I mean, end stream. <laughs> Yeah, for real. <laughs> how do you, Don't ask that question. <laughs> how do you know I haven't been tested? Right. Because I haven't told you. How that. do you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> we say March 2023 is just speculation, but. Yeah. <laughs> I'm we don't know shit. Don't trust us. We have no fucking idea. <laughs> question. I just completely yeah. forgot how to wait, and that was embarrassing. <laughs> what are your plans to make? Healing skill like the first time <laughs> in action camera. And this is actually a question. Yeah. I'm not going to answer it in too much detail. And there's a reason for that. We have an upcoming stream where we're going to be talking about the cleric in Alpha 2 and demonstrating. Yeah. Um, so does that mean the cleric's going to be this week or sorry, this month? Because I was thinking we might see the necromancer because it's Halloween. It's spooky season. What better way to show off the summer? by showing the summoner slash cleric by showing necromancer. But I also don't know if necromancers are going to heal. That might be a bad take. Right. But yeah. The necromancers mixed with the cleric, right? Yes. Or it the is. Summoner. Yeah. So. Hell yeah. So I would. Hint, hint everybody. <laughs> Steven, please do this for me. Make one of, the, <laughs> make one of my predictions, right? 
Okay. Oh, we've had a couple. And, um, Just look at our um, Josh, Josh Ripe Days video. Um, and that's <laughs> coming up relatively soon. Um, but, you know, what? what is, what makes healing fun? Um, I have no idea. Healers. Um, <laughs> for me, per I could tell you what would make healers, it null. Uh, often in MMOs. For me personally, it is almost like a little bit of a whack-a-mole type of game, right? Where if I'm in a party and I am the dedicated healer in that party, um, <clears throat> I'm very conscious of obviously conserving my mana for any spike situations that might call for me to be able to, to pinch heal. Um, but I'm also kind of swapping and making sure that my rotations are timed appropriately and that I'm only utilizing skills from a minimal mana perspective that I need to. And I'm clicking across different members of the parties to kind of heal them as they need it, right? So a little bit of a whack-a-mole gameplay. When you're thinking about how to incorporate action as part of that, right? Um, you have certain types of skills that you can use that are able to heal others. Uh, but are more skill-based, such as aiming that skill in a line-type template or proximity-based, ensuring that I myself am near other uh, members of my party and that they're aware of my location and I'm aware of their location in order to confer the benefit of that healing effect uh, because it's proximity-based. Um, also, formation-based type effects. Um, for example, there's a really cool skill that we... Um, just uh, began working on for <clears throat> the tank where you have a um you have a vector required for players to be within behind that tank that mitigates damage incoming from a different direction um so there's directional based type situations. i think that's that very very cool location of, yes <laughs> uh, of, of players in your party um to be cognizant of those locations um i think all of those things lend to a compelling and engaging type of uh combat situation um where uh if players are heavily synchronized in their gameplay it feels really good um and getting off those types of abilities in in maximum efficacy is the highlight of different types of combats for people, right? Uh, being able to achieve those things. So <clears throat> proximity-based, template-based, uh, the ability to do more skill-based um, type um, um, <clears throat> abilities is one of the ways that we make the healing type class uh, and abilities more fun. What do you, okay. Now so I don't heal in any, <laughs> I've never seen you heal. Uh, so we don't oh. really have much on that to commentate at least i don't i think i mean even though we don't have experience with it i like how they're making it so it's not just going to be like a passive kind of like you said whack-a-mole thing with this clicking and casting um oh, yeah i do like there's so they have like, they are adding yeah. like the yeah the active <laughs> parts of it so yeah that sounds good um again we don't have much experience at all actually with healing so i i've never i think i've healed like once it's not for me but what i did take away from that is that as a tank there may be like a cone uh damage mitigation where people could stand behind me to go ahead like the to, to not get that damage i think that's so goddamn cool because that makes it because one of the things i like about um some different games of where the, the tank is forced to move around and like i i do i don't like tank and spank um mechanics like, I don't like standing still when I'm playing in a game. Like, I want my tank to have to move around 
to have to charge, to collect aggro, to, to, to do all these things. And the idea that I have to play one, pay attention to where my group is, where my back's turned and, and that I can block this damage. That just sounds very, very cool. And I, I am very excited to see what they do with the tank. I, I love tanking. Tank is one of my favorite things um, in MMOs. <laughs> I didn't even start tanking and probably till it, I think it was like the beginning of Mist and Pitaria or something like that when we were playing WoW. Yeah. Because for the longest time I was a, I was a DPS player and then I switched over to tank and I was like, man, why haven't I been doing this? It's, it's so fun to be the tank, to be the first one who gets to initiate and all these different things. And I'm really excited to, to see how, what their iteration of that looks like. Um, I was having, who was I having that conversation with previously? I was at nuclear tango last night. We were talking about how we had that in alpha one, there was a tank. Um, there was almost like a, a, uh, rotation already set up where you would kind of like, you would do the ax throw. It would hit a bunch of people. You do the spear, pull them in and like. You were yeah, when at the first start of Alpha One, you were like a god if you were playing a tank. And I love uh -huh. that. And then they nerfed us. And then everyone started playing mages once. And this, I, I don't want to be part of that meta. So let's make sure tank is awesome. <laughs> I just, I love tanking. Yes. I think um, Nuclear Tango summed it up pretty well. All right. Healing can be fun. Check. Thanks, Steven. <laughs> Do we have, are there any healers in, in, in chat? Because I feel like we need more healers. So. You're a healer. Join our guild because we. So thank you. If you, <laughs> if anyone, anyone listening is a healer, we we salute you and thank you so much for for. You'll save. You'll save one of our one of our children from being forced into the role once they. Is, every, is everyone <laughs> in the chat tanks and DPS? Where are the healers? We need some. We need some feedback. Okay, guys, we'll move on to the next. Um, question number nine. <laughs> Excuse me. Question number nine. I apologize. Don't warlock so much. Um, awesome. Question number nine. What do you envision as the primary leveling systems for Ashes? I love this question. I love the answer to this. This was so good. The primary leveling systems. I agree. Systems. So that's a bit traditional um, in the sense that when you are in the game and you're talking about leveling your adventuring class, right? And that's your archetype and your secondary. Um, questing and grinding are the two ways that are primary. Right. Um, now, of course, you can achieve uh, experience for your adventuring class through PvP, through artisanship and professions, through exploration, uh, through raiding. Um, but the primary methods are going to be <laughs> a bit traditional in questing, um, story arcs, events, um, as well as uh, through grinding mobs. And, you know, when I talk a little bit about kind of what that experience entails. My experiences that I've enjoyed <clears throat> in games is where a portion of your level does require you, or at least the adventuring level, to go out and interface with general populations or to find a group and friends and level in a dungeon um, or in a group setting. Um, I do not personally enjoy when the entirety of a level can be achieved through simply questing where Agreed. you move from quest to yep. quest station. Yeah. So you just do that the entire way, and that will level you up to max level. Um, there's a beautiful world out there in Ashes of Creation. And while questing can show you some of that world, there is also an element of that world that is wilderness and explorative, right? Where by going out and grinding and killing general population monsters as part of your leveling process, you are helping lend towards the development of civilization. You're helping bring nodes up. 
Um, I love that. That unlocks <laughs> additional quest lines and story arcs and events, right? So there's a little bit of an equilibrium between that <clears throat> in a more traditional sense. All right. So I like that there were some hints there that we're going to have multiple ways to level and that there was an, an option for leveling was that there would be raids. So I am really excited to, to see, are we going to have world bosses that are based around, you know, your level 15, level 25, level 35, will we have different raids at, at that level that we can test it, you know, play through? Are there, are there world bosses that are geared towards those levels that we can, we can play with? Um, because I think that would be really cool. I can't remember where I saw it, but there was a, I think, I think it was a video talking about how games need to, it may have actually been a, jo a Josh Strife Hayes video. And uh, I think he was talking about, I, I can't, I, I want to just attribute to this to him, but I think it was his video where, where he was talking about um, where games need to introduce those type of gameplay systems before your end end game like you shouldn't hit oh i agree yeah right you shouldn't hit level 50 and then all of a sudden you're you, like hey here's raids something you haven't touched at all like th those right. should come <laughs> into play as you are leveling so that way you get a get to touch them even even if they're not as like in depth as as they would be at max level but like as you're leveling and getting that experience of like you know okay, here's the mechanics you will be kind of seeing as you progress and what to expect. Because I don't, you know, there's so many people that finally get all the way up to the top and then they're like, what do I do now? And they're like, oh, oh, wait, what's, what are rates? How do we do this? And then they're like, I don't know how to do that. This is very intimidating. Where if you slowly kind of drip feed some of that out too, like throughout the quests, I could see like them doing like, you know, quest giver gives, you know, this level 15 quests. Hey, go find these people and group up is probably like a 15 person quest where you're going to need to take down, uh, the giant, at, uh, in the, um, what was it? Riverlands. Riverlands. There we go. Um, I, I saw that from Bud, but, but drop that in the chat. You guys keep dropping some stuff. I am still it from you. I apologize. But anyway, yeah, yeah we're going to see that. And I think it'd be very cool to have multiple ways to level. We are, he already talked about how your arson levels going to, your arson stuff's going to help with your level your questing, your grinding and exploration. It's just, I love that you won't just be beholden to quests because that can be very monotonous. I think like it's, it's nice to be able to break up that. And one thing though, too, is as a tank, sometimes I do just level through, through dungeons. Although I guess since I won't have a dungeon finder, I can't do that. So that actually already diffuses what I was going to say was I didn't want to go in and just do dungeons the entire time because I've ruined games for myself by like, well, I'm just going to hit max level by doing dungeons. I'm looking at you, ESO. Um, I didn't touch any questing. All I did was <laughs> dungeon, dungeon, dungeon until I finished, which uh, ruined the game for me. Right. Um, yeah. Most games, it's either for leveling um, questing or dungeons. Like you got two options. And one of them, actually both of them, you've done a million times because this is your fifth alt. Nicola <laughs> um, Tango was saying, so from my understanding, as you enter the um, world, every node is level zero. So the Warring Cyclops raid boss they showed us in the Riverlands would be level 10 elite and it's next to one of the divine gateways. That's very cool. Um, Interesting. But when the node reaches level three, the Cyclops will now be a level 30 elite. 
So that is pretty cool. I, I, I kind of. That's what I was wondering if they scale with the, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, but. <laughs> yeah, because. It's something I still wonder on that hasn't been completely, at least to my knowledge, like fleshed out verbally. Well, he, they have said previously that the further you get away from a node, the higher level things get. So it's less dangerous when you're on like the outskirts of the node, but as you adventure out, it becomes more and more dangerous. So it, it makes sense that as that node would level, that the Cyclops would also kind of level up with it, which I, th I think that's pretty cool. Um, it, it's going to be such a different game too for people who, when they first enter the world and say, say it's completely fresh and then you're a new player and you know, you're able to just, you know, and the nodes right there, you can go there. You can, and most likely it'll probably be based on your race because most likely when that first drop in, it's probably outside of where the, the races spawn, even if it's not metropolis, it'll probably be somewhat built up. So it may be kind of interesting where you, you drop in, you already can go there, get your horse, talk to people who know kind of what's going on. Whereas people who, it almost reminds me of like some of the survival games where when you first start playing, you don't have any idea what to do. And it's going to be really fun being those pioneers who are like, all right, guys, let's just go hit shit with sticks. And, uh, hopefully we level the node. <laughs> For real. Um, I don't know if you saw what nuclear tango said earlier. Um, they said kind of tangenty, but I wonder how they will handle player death penalties with raid boss encounters. Like, will I have to stop making attempts because my XP debt is my whole level, which I'm pretty sure they're going to be switching the way the XP debt works, but. I haven't heard anything about how those like PVP deaths in raid encounters work right. or just raid bosses in general. Right. Because with sieges, you don't incur that. So I feel like they should make it so that if you were in a raid group or something other than that, you can kind of cheese things. I, I don't know how they would handle that unless it's like a by a by, by a boss by boss kind of set. I mean, they could do it like proximity based so if you're like within proximity of the raid group it's like a negated effect whereas like you can't just make a raid group and then all go your separate ways and quests yeah. and stuff yeah um so yes boss uh, uh sorry bud to answer your question um you can start wherever you want from what they have said is that any you can start in any of the starter zones but they will have race specific starter zones but you can start wherever you want within those. Uh, I can't remember what stream they talked about that in, but that, that was something that they kind of brought up. And then that example I was bringing up was also something that Steven had said before too, is that most likely that when you, you load into the world and you go to those places, those accompanying nodes that are around it will probably be kind of similar, look similar to the race, unless I'm thinking of a different podcast. Um, but anyway, that, that, that basis of there are, race specific zones you will be able to start there or start anywhere but they will be race specific when you first join uh new Tango was saying they could uh you know, wow they would have to make it where you dealt damage to the raid boss you no longer get xp debt something like that uh, yeah that could that could work so I, I i don't know i i definitely am the same in the same vein because i feel like harder and pve content shouldn't punish you in the same way as you were just questing and experiencing the XP debt or, or you're PVPing and experiencing that XP debt and in the same way that that max end, uh, PVP content wouldn't give you that too, like with, with the, uh, siege and stuff. So we'll move on to the next question.
Question number 10. Have a good night, Daryl. This will be the <laughs> top 10 questions that were voted up. What are some of the biggest there. challenges <laughs> at this point of time before releasing Alpha 2? That's kind of like the same question that was asked earlier. Yeah. What similar. are some of the biggest challenges? Well, one of the challenges, of course, is going to be the QA process, right? And, um, you know, we have a lot of rapid development at Intrepid Studios, um, which means that, <clears throat> you know, we will test things and iterate on those things fast. Um, and sometimes um, that can be a really good thing because we get an immediate, you know, um, uh, pause it for a second. Hands-on look. I just want to point out that they asked him what the biggest challenges are right now, and he's saying the biggest challenge is QA. So, right, like, they they're at the point where they're already like testing the quality, and then he's also saying their rapid development has you know, they've gone very quickly and now they're, you know, trying to squash all the bugs and stuff. But again, it's that, that verbiage. <laughs> so they're already like their challenge right now is QA is pretty much his simple answer. Right. There could have been like a, we're having trouble with getting the system online or, or we're having difficulties getting this tool to work. But the, the, the challenges are we need people to QA the game. We need quality assurance. We need to kill bugs. We need to test this. So it's, they're saying that the biggest challenge before releasing alpha two is testing. So it, it, it does start to kind of get those wheels turning of like, okay, how far along is alpha two? When are we going to see? Cause alpha like two? he could be, he could be like the biggest challenge is getting it ready for alpha two. You know what I mean? Like, or, well, I guess that's kind of the same thing, but you got what I mean, like trying to get all the systems ready, not the bugs, the systems. Right. Like they're, they're not. So, I mean, uh, and you could tag it, I made a point too, of part of the QA is also that they're making one change to a system, then they have to QA it again and, and then test, uh, and then obviously keep testing. But again, too, is, is that's what they're saying, that the, the, the more difficult part right now is the internal testing rather than like saying design or, or this, or trying to get the these tools ready. building. Yeah. The <laughs> so again, speculation. But yeah, it, it's, observations, but it's that <laughs> testing, iterating and testing and iterating again. But again, it, we're not seeing that we're having like, say technical limitations or we're having engine limitations or we're having, you know, this or that the biggest, the biggest challenge for them is testing. Right. Which it's still a big job, but it just, it sounds much more like the final stretch than a lot of people think they're in, at least to me. Which also could be our, our uh, copium lace streams. <laughs> oh, absolutely. System or feature. <clears throat> and sometimes that can introduce that pace of development can introduce bugs and it can introduce um, just a lot of things that need to be kept track of as you're, as you're creating, you know, the game. And that can be a tough process to find all those bugs and to make sure we fix those in time for a front facing or public display. Um, of the product. And that's one of the dual edged swords, the kind of thing of a transparent development process is we're wanting to get things out there quickly and iterate on those so we can get feedback and iterate on that feedback. <clears throat> and in doing so, sometimes, you know, we can have bugs that are unintended. Um, so that's one difficulty. Another challenge um, is the sheer scope of the content, um, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot, as I said before, there's a lot of content in Ashes of Creation. 
Um, <clears throat> and that development, um, you know, is a, is a big effort. Um, and obviously we have a lot of talented individuals on the team that I've talked about many times in the past. You've seen them. We've talked about with them, uh, on live streams. Um, but that's a, that is a big effort, um, to create a lot of that content. <laughs> I would say, um, one other element from probably a technical perspective, um, <clears throat> when we think about big challenges is we have lofty goals when it comes to player density. Um, and being able to have a customized network solution that handles the type of player density we want to achieve. And you guys saw in alpha one, <clears throat> as we gave you a preview of that tech and that, um, that network capability through the, the sieges that we've done. And you, if you haven't seen them before, you can go on to our YouTube and you can take a look at some of the alpha one sieges that we had. And it performed, it performed well, it performed very good. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of the MMOs that I've played in, when you have over 50 people in an area, things don't start, you know, things start to get a little bit choppy. Um, and I believe in alpha one, we had a test with almost 300 people. Um, and I might be off on these numbers a little bit, maybe it was higher than that, but we had a test with over with about 300 people. And it was smooth. I mean, it was smooth. There wasn't, you know, aside from perhaps some people in their machines and rendering, right, on the network side, it was pretty smooth. The, the server's FPS was good um, and there wasn't rubber banding. You know, of course we had bugs every now and then that would come up, but during those, those, those sieges, it was a, a pretty good performance. But it's always a challenge um, because you're, you're creating a game in an open world. And so there's not restriction on player movement, right? Anybody can move across the world um, and they can move into particular areas. And of course we have network contingencies for how we handle when the server starts to go above what our intended density benchmark is um, that, that we wanna test both as part of alpha two and moving forward. Um, but being able to achieve that high player density is an integral component of what the system's design for Ashes of Creation is in a castle siege setting, in a caravan setting, in naval battles, and in node sieges, all of those can lend themselves towards having a large portion of player density uh, within a particular area. So that's always a challenge as well. I loved the sieges in Alpha 1. Um, yes. <laughs> I had so much goddamn fun doing that. And it, it blew my mind. I, I can't remember what the largest number was when, when I was in there. But I believe I was in one that was close to like the 100 versus 100. And it was insane. I could not believe how smooth it ran as an alpha one. And we, because when you first, when we first came in, into it, it was rough. Like the first few load-ins, um, we had a bunch of rubber banding issues. They had a bunch of artifacting issues. Um, I, I, remember, I remember it was like the second day and they had to shut down all the servers. And because nothing was working properly. Oh, there was the play button boss. Oh yeah. The, literally the first day we couldn't put plus, we couldn't <laughs> press, go to create your character and you hit play to like enter the world. I think it said play. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't join. You couldn't join. <laughs> nothing it happened. You'd click the button and nothing would happen. And you're like, why? <laughs> and then it, it wasn't until, you know, we had those issues and then they, you know, they shut down for like a day or so and they come back up and it was like a completely different experience. The rubber banding was gone. A lot of the artifacting yeah. issues were gone. A lot of, a ton of bugs. They were very fast and responsive and it was so smooth and it was so much fun. I've never had so much fun doing a PVP 
um, style kind of like arena. Like I, I played in WoW and in Elder Scrolls, but it was something completely different when you had so many people that you, you didn't really care too much if you died. Like you just were running in there, you were pulling people. I remember I had I had a massive like uh, I had a huge blast when it came to playing the tank in the, one of the first sieges I did. Like I said, I had that rotation where I was throwing. Um, I was, you, you do the throwing axe, it would hit one person, bounce off to a bunch. You then do the chain grab in, and then you would finish off with the uh, Myrmidon, I think was the other attack. And like, you just keep doing that as a tank over and over, and you were just messing up so many people. And then uh, I think there was one point too, in, in one of the, in, in the map, we figured there was like, there was like this exploit where you could kind of go, <laughs> go up the hill and you could land up on top of the, um, you could, you could land on the castle and kind of like get into there. It was so much goddamn fun. Um, Nuclear Tango said weapon toss, javelin <laughs> combo. Yeah, dude, it was so much goddamn fun. I loved it. And then they nerfed it on us. I was so sad when they did that. Um, thank you for cut, for showing up, Skyx. Uh, I've been missing you. I, I've noticed your presence not being here, but <laughs> I hope you feel better. Thank you for coming and hanging out. There's already, like, it's so cool in our community. There's already so many people that I, I notice when they're not around. <laughs> so if you don't show up, we notice. <laughs> Let's see. But yeah, uh, it's just, I'm very excited. And, and listening to the way that I know it was broken. I know the tank was broken, but it was so much fun. I wanted to stay there. Like, like, just bring up the other classes. Don't take down the tank. Like, the time to kill, it took two seconds as a tank to kill somebody. It was a ton of fun. It it just reminded me of, like, sitting on the couch playing, like, Modern Warfare or something. And it just, it had that vibe for, like, a minute. <laughs> and, it, and it was pretty fun. Like, it was just like, dude, I remember I was a god. No one could do damage to me. And I was just killing everything I touched. <laughs> tank shouldn't work like that. I will say that, too. Tank shouldn't work like that. It was broken. <laughs> but uh, it, it was a little case. What it's <laughs> um, Skyx is asking if there's any big uh news that was dropped that you they missed. Um, I don't know if there was too much news that was dropped. The, the biggest thing was that there's going to be some spot tests coming out, and I can't think, I don't know if we got so much there. like it's not so much like news drops as it's just like subtleties that you, yeah, a lot of subtlety from his responses, yeah, which. If you have a chance, um, once we upload this, like go back and rewatch because then we have our thoughts on them. <laughs> I think we're on question 12 now. Yeah, 12 out or of 20. Over 13. I can't Spot remember. test for certain individuals. So I know we don't know who those certain individuals yet, and we won't know because it will be under NDA. Um, so if I'm one of those, you guys won't know. Wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, you guys won't. I don't want to get in trouble. All right. <clears throat> Question number 11, and I apologize, I, you know, hopefully this is oh, like, you know, <laughs> too fast for you guys. I want to try to get as many questions as we can um, within the hour. Um, so question number 11, <clears throat> how is the render distance vision on the sea? And will an item like a spyglass be acquirable to a, uh, in order to get a zoom in? And this is from um, Maisie0819. Um, so render distance on the C, the character render distance is going to be similar to what the character render distance is on land. Um, so that's not <laughs> going to change on C. What, however, will be available to you that isn't, um, that isn't, uh, that is going to be much further than the character distance is the ship viewable distance. So 
when you see other ships, depending on the class and size of that ship, you will see them on the horizon at greater distances just from your character's view port, right? However, when you incorporate apparatuses like spyglasses, which we do have available, and it depends on whether or not the ship has that type of attachment, both one available to it, but two equipped to it, because these are interchangeable attachment slots that you can choose to spec your ship out based on the class of vessel you have, what type of attachments it can contain because of its class, um, and then what you're able to acquire as well. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, those are going to be available to you. And now those will provide you more of a overview radar Excuse perspective <laughs> of the surrounding area around your ship. And the distances of that, of that radar essentially um, will be also predicated on the class of ship and the type of spyglass or type of um, instrument that you are using. Um, and it is important to note that you have um, an element of what's ab above the water, what types of ship are above the water. Uh, but also, as we know, we have, um, as you know, we have uh, aquatic. Oh, this part was cool. Also, which are capable of going under the water. Um, and some of those mounts have abilities that affects ships um, that you can acquire. Yeah. Uh, and as such, there will be other types of tools. It's like submarine warfare with mounts. <laughs> uh, it's actually really cool. Under the water as well. Um, so that's important. Okay. <laughs> that's actually really cool. I, I missed that part. I, I heard or this part of it yet. So that actually is really cool that we're going to be able to have mounts that could potentially, I, it'd be really cool to be able to like a bunch of people get on their mounts, go underneath the water and then board a ship and then start like a raiding party against a ship. Oh God. I, I just, I, I was, oh my God. I know. BPC there's like a separate, <laughs> there's a separate conversation happening in chat and <laughs> try to keep it together. I know if you guys want to see the best experience of, of listening to the podcast or the, or the YouTube, it's come to the live show. I think you'll have a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, I think it would be really cool to basically almost like see a thieves on steroids. So that way, like you could actually have like this raiding party and, and, and then have that. I was actually kind of bummed because I, I've been following the, the development of skull and bones, which is. Um, a pirate game that's going to be coming out. And I guess you're not even gonna be able to get off the ship uh, in, in its current, when it releases. But so like, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, something about ashes and playing a pirate just sounds so much fun. And no one is paying attention because everyone's typing in the chat. <laughs> oh, let's see, we're an hour and a half in. Tangents are going to start getting a lot. <laughs> I, I, I can hear you click clacking away over there. Sorry, I'm listening. Are you? I just had to say thought? something really stupidly funny i see it i see it. <laughs> what are, what are your thoughts on uh on the mounted um under the the jesus submarine mounts basically <laughs> oh god he's really testing if i'm actually paying attention um, i am so yeah my first impression when i heard that earlier today was oh shit i was like oh my god that's so cool um because I I've seen the underwater mounts and I just didn't make that connection until he just said it, and yeah, that that has like another level of danger to the ocean. <laughs> I, I I don't know what it is. As soon as Stephen had said that the the whole oh my, the, my god, you guys are being so goddamn distracting right now. <laughs> but the the whole ocean was gonna be. I read that as chat thirteen Jamie zero, and I said oh. 
Um, <laughs> the whole ocean is going to be a open PVP area, and that is just so much more dangerous. Yeah, until the Kraken comes up and engulfs like you on your mounts. That's the thing though. Like the ocean is going to be completely terrifying. And something about that to me is so exciting. Like I can't wait to like RP a pirate and just like get on a ship or like board other ships. I, I feel like I'm going to spend a lot more time in the water than I initially thought that I would. They absolutely need a hippocampus mount. And if they don't, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. You're just pretty much like a um, mermaid horse. <laughs> you just have to breed a manatee with a horse. You should be able to get one. Just, I just, so. Like a literal seahorse. <laughs> so it comes up later, but I'm going to bring it up now. They talked about almost like having mini games for crafting. <laughs> they're going to be, they're going to be mini games for animal husbandry. <laughs> well, I mean, in a way, because you need to raise them once, once they're babies, like interact with them and like take them out, like exploring and riding and stuff. Right. So I don't know if it'll be mini games. But I, I know what you were trying to yeah. trying to apply at, and I just sidestepped right over that. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll move forward. Let's see. Um, Nico Tango saying if they keep making cosmetic packs for another three years, uh, it will, their, their wallet's going to hurt. Mine already is. Um, yep. Will the dragons or other flying mounts be able to carry guild members? I'm not sure. Oh, about my God. New Girl Tangles, like, you have to pet them properly, <laughs> wink. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, makes me think You have to do what you have to do to get the best mounts, guys. <laughs> if you want the best mounts, you got to earn them. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, uh, Surgeon General was saying it makes him think of uh, the sea snake in Game of Thrones or the I Iron Islands. Dude, like, I know that's a thing, too, is, like, we're going to have... I, oh, I yeah, their, their flag is a hippocampus, the um, Iron Islands. You know, it's going to be so yeah. goddamn cool. Like the, the, the amount of different like RPing or, or, or type of like role play you can get in. Obviously I just said the same goddamn thing. Um, the, <laughs> the role playing that you could do is going to be so limitless. And the fact that like, essentially it is like a giant game of Thrones. If you're not going to be, know who to trust, you're not going to know what to do. Uh, you're going to have all these, you're going to have the officials. Some might be corrupt. You, you might have this. Like there's so much that's going to be involved in this and there's going to be so much changing of the guard and stuff. It's just, I love the fact that it's going to be like this um, living, breathing world in that it, you have guild spies. Like there's just so much to this game and it's just like, just let us play alpha two. <laughs> just let us in. Unless, uh, unless chaos. Am I right? You guys know how it is. <laughs> it's the emojis that are uh, <laughs> getting to me. <laughs> Can we get a concrete list of professions this was good which I like artists this. classes they belong i'll say it to. after that he, is a good question he didn't say yes. taming we can't get that actually because i think it's now part of animal husband well, do it live is it I can act there so and tell you what those are yes here i can do both <laughs> sufficiently <So, laughs> i'm sure the art the artisan team is likely like oh my god we're doing it live we're doing it live <laughs> okay so this is a good drop this is a really good three drop. types of branches that exist within the artisanship system as you know we have gathering we have processing and we have crafting and each of those as you guys know have different realms of applicability um, gathering of course is out in the wild it's predicated on having the available tools those tools 
uh, come from vendors and you need to have supporting node oh, structures in place around <laughs> the world at certain levels in order to acquire um, certain tool sets that will allow you access to higher tier gatherables out in the wild. In the gathering profession, we have mining, we have lumberjacking or logging, we have herbalism, we have fishing, and we have hunting. So those are the gathering professions. In the processing, we have metalworking, stone masonry, weaving, tanning, lumber milling, farming, animal husbandry, alchemy, and cooking. And in the crafting, we have weaponsmithing, carpentry, arcane engineering, armorsmithing, leather working, tailoring, jewel cutting, and scribing. A scribe. So, <laughs> is that the first time we've released? <laughs> is the first time? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, uh, there you go. Those, there, there is a concrete list of professions. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Of professions in the game. Um, and many of those will be available, uh, in alpha two as well. Um, and actually as, as a point, as a note, um, something that we'll be collecting more feedback on is <clears throat> there is a gameplay layer. Yes. To this, oh gosh. That yes, was, this was so cool. And those professions that I listed for the crafting, when you go to create a particular item, you will have the opportunity to interface with that gameplay layer. And for example, and this is something you guys will um, be testing, um, this will be probably one of the spot tests actually that's coming up um, before Alpha 2. Uh, for example, if you're creating a sword and you're crafting that sword, you will have an interface, a gameplay layer that you will see and you will uh, begin to hammer actually that sword into an appropriate outline and your performance there can help, um, influence the outcome of your craft, uh, in that sense. Now, I love that so much, especially <laughs> want to give feedback or get feedback on, um, you know, what is it like to interface with that type of gameplay layer? Is that something desired by crafters? Um, uh, our designers, uh, Corey, Brian, Mike have done an awesome job in kind of detailing out what each of these professions uh, within the crafting realm um, will utilize from a uh, gameplay layer perspective when completing these, these crafts. Um, and I think it's interesting. I think it's cool. Uh, but getting player feedback on that, because this is something that is a bit different than what we're accustomed to in a lot of MMOs that we played, especially from the traditional crafters perspective, um, getting your guys' feedback on that is something that's going to be important. So keep a lookout for that. Okay. So I really like that, that <laughs> drop. Um, so going back to, so how does that work with the animal husbandry? But also he said, he said crafting. So you would have your, your gathering, your processing, and then I think you have crafting. So I don't think, uh, animal husbandry is crafting as much as is, is processing. You but, don't need to pet the animals. Uh, I don't know if I can keep it together. It's going to come off the rails. But I, I really actually thought this was a very cool. Um, this was a I think I think Surgeon General said it. So my thoughts exactly. I think it's a great idea because it incorporates real skill uh, for quality versus just leveling up. I think I think too because 
it, it was something that uh, Nuclear Tango had said, which is that they, they normally feel different about crafting. And I kind of feel the same way is that a lot of times it's kind of just something that's tacked on. It's something I might kind of do, something I might not do. But the idea that there's going to be kind of mini games to go along with that makes that a lot more exciting, a lot more engaging and something I might actually want to do. Like it might be pretty cool for me to hammer out my own sword and, and go ahead and, and like want to get better at, okay, so if I can, I can learn how to do this better, I can get better quality. Um, and, and then like one for myself, but also making more money off of, of like what I'm going to sell. I think that's a really cool layer. I want to see how that works. I just, I think, um, I think I, I probably would go into some type of either armor or leather, uh, weapon making. It's typically what I do. Uh, in, in other games, except I, I threw um, enchanting on my my warrior in, uh, in in World of Warcraft because at the time that was like the thing that was like everyone needed. And uh, I think I don't know if that's died off since it's a completely different story. We don't even need to talk about that. <laughs> um, my my two cents on it was I well I'm excited about about that, and I really hope that they do add that into the game because I think it would be a very not boring <laughs> way to approach crafting um but i do think that it's something that there there are people who are either gonna love it or hate it so i think that because of that it should be like something that you can either toggle on or off so you can with kind of like a higher risk high reward type of deal so if you do choose to um go and like do like a little mini game to try and get your weapon like those certain attributes depending on how you hit it and so on and so forth um i think there should be a chance for you to get greater stats but if you toggle it off then it would just be like an rng like random generated um stats for that weapon and the chances of them being as high as they would be if you actually succeeded in the mini game would be more rare so i think it should be like one of you can choose one or the other just so like i think too like if you're somebody who does it all the time it might get a little dull you know like if that's just your life as a blacksmith maybe you don't want to play that mini game every single every single day <laughs> million times but um so i would like to see it in the game but i think to appease at least the majority of the players they should have it toggle either on or off whether or not you want to do it that way but if you do do it that way, you have a, a better high risk, high reward situation. I agree. Uh, sorry. <laughs> there was a, there was a request to do a poll in the chat. So I'm going to, I'm going to get that going while we listen to the next. I also really like that, that what you had been saying too, is that we could have, you would either one, take the high risk, high reward where you actually have to work at that thing, or you could take the other, which is doing the RNG and hopefully you get it. Maybe you won't. So that way you have that that player agency of, okay, I might get it. I might not, or I can actually affect how this item is going to come out. I really like the, that idea. All right. So we're going to like the next question. I'm going to get this. this up. Oh, awesome. Thank you for joining us. Ninja worm. Um, they said, Hey guys, I've been watching your tangents of creation videos on YouTube and I just remembered you would be live today and managed to drop in. Welcome. Thank welcome. You so we're much. happy to have you. I love seeing all the little like first time chat notifications. I, I like that too. Up. It's very cool. <laughs> it's, it's definitely my favorite. Um, so we'll so if, if you're new if you're new say hi we'll say hi back <laughs> we don't we don't bite i promise <laughs> everyone here has been very very cool and uh i, I love to like the, the more that you guys can um we forgot friday was going to be live yeah so we're, we're switching to 
8.30 p.m. Eastern on Fridays. It's just, it makes it a lot easier on our end to get things uh, together. So yeah, definitely jump in the, in, into the conversation. And you, I'm sure you guys can already tell that we keep kind of picking things out to also talk about. And the more that you guys interact, the more that we can have that back and forth and have a have more of less of a two-sided discussion and really involve the rest of you too. So we'll get this going. I'll get <laughs> that poll going. Okay. <clears throat> Question number 13. How many active play, how many active players, monthly subs, are necessary for the game to survive? That's a interesting question. Uh, and at how many <laughs> active players would I consider the game to be a success? Well, that is a good question. Um, I don't have a specific number um, of what is necessary for the game to survive. Uh, what I would tell you is that we have millions of pre-registrations for Ashes of Creation. Um, and it has been absolutely phenomenal to see the excitement that exists out in the community and in the genre itself of, <laughs> of old school players, legacy MMO players who have wanted to see these types of systems uh, merged into a single title um, for a while now. Um, but more importantly, also, a dedication and commitment from a company to ensure that the integrity of the game is not broken by pay-to-win monetization strategies or by pay-to-convenience monetization strategies. And I believe that has been a, a primary motivation for a lot of players to be excited about Ashes of Creation and to follow its development. When I think what the active player count will be on launch based on forecasts and projections that we internally create um, <clears throat> that are predicated on pre-registration growth, on average revenue per paying user that we've uh, acquired so far, and those of you who have wanted to pre-order the game, um, you know, I believe that we will launch uh, with a million plus concurrent users. Um, that is my expectation, uh, at, a, at, at almost a minimum. Um, and to, to qualify that, that, that projection, when we think about the types of titles that exist within the MMORPG genre, um, we can observe, uh, what is this almost window of opportunity to present a next generation title that is utilizing a next generation engine like unreal engine 5 that has the visual fidelities that we are showcasing as part of our monthly live streams and you guys can see the quality of the artistic development that our team has um, and that espouses the types of design systems and philosophies that ashes of creation espouses right and when we think about watching at least just this year's development updates and the execution behind many of those systems, when we talk about the character creator and we talk about weather and systems and we talk about combat reiteration that we've done um, and still what's to come this year, uh, I think many of you will agree that that execution has been pretty good. Um, and, you know, let's just take the character creator, for example, it's been a goal of ours since 2017, since we first <clears throat> launched the Kickstarter to, we verbalized our desire to have a 
next generation MMORPG character creator, something that um, lives up to a particular standard from other games that we've seen, like a, you know, a PDO has an amazing uh, character creator. And, you know, that was talk, that was goals. And it, it's great to kind of uh, verbalize what those things that we want to achieve are. Um, and this year you got to see the first iteration of that character creator. And I think to many people's surprise, there was an execution there um, that held up to what our desires were and what our verbal goals that we stipulated were. Um, so in that regard, when we think about executing on the designs and systems that we've talked about for so long and we've seen as part of the, the core feature set available in Alpha 1, I believe that Ashes of Creation will be one of the most popular MMOs. And that belief is a healthy belief. It is yeah. not a bad thing. It's not <laughs> hyping. You know, it is you want people who are working on this product to have a goal to achieve something great. And when you have those goals, that creates pressure. It creates excitement. It creates motivation. All of those things are ingredients in the recipe for success. <laughs> Um, so that's something that's an important and healthy thing to have. Um, so I hope that answers your question. So I'm, I'm on this, I'm in the same vibe as most of the chat in here is just saying that like that 1 million is so humble for what, what that most likely will be. Absolutely. I honestly think he's just happy if people enjoy the game. Like, I don't think money is the, like, they obviously need money in order to keep going, you know, but like. That's not their focus, and you can definitely tell by the way he answered that question that they're just hoping people enjoy the game. Right, and, and the thing is too, like I can I can see it in Steven. Steven is a big kid that just wants to fucking play an MMO that he, he designed. <laughs> he is that's I think that I think of anything of why it's so important for him to show off like the the stuff that he wants to show off in in the level is one. Yeah, you only get like a um, certain window to to show people these things. But also, I, th I think it's a, a, a point of pride for him to be like, or, or just that thing of like, hey, guys, do you like the thing that I made? Like, do you, are you guys like this? And like wanting the community <laughs> to enjoy it and, and that we all be on that same thing. Uh, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's so cool to see that. And uh, someone else had mentioned too, that he's, he seems, it was a uh, Surgeon General mentioned that Steven's such a uh, down-to-earth dude that at, at that this point that they plan on sticking with the game no matter what the outcome is and i kind of feel the same way of like even if right. the game were only to come out with half the promised things like i would still stick with the game one i have an emotional investment in this game because like i i've been followed we've been following it for so long there's that monetary investment but also just i really like the team behind it and i, I can't stress that enough is that that is one of the things that really has me the most excited between beyond a lot of the other things is that there's so many people um there's so many people that are passionate about this that are working there that it, it's so hard to not just get caught up in that too and feel passionate about the game we might need to redo our poll <laughs> oh my god is, is that where we got yeah everything <laughs> it, it's was tied <laughs> it's a split decision we have uh we have there was only one voter in each category i see that there was four options so where did we get with that um, I wanted to point out, uh, Hellstalker said New World had 900,000 and Lost Ark had 1.3 million. I definitely believe Ashes will have 2 million. Uh, yeah, that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no way. They've already had so many 
free registrations and they're not even in the marketing stage yet, which is I know. crazy. That's, that's the part that's insane is that this game has all been word of mouth. So far. it's all word of mouth pretty much at this point. Uh, let's see. There's so much going on in chat right now. You guys, this is awesome. I know this is, I think this has been one of the, one of the uh, most active chats we've had. So thank you guys so much. Um, did you answer with Hellstalker's question or that response already there? You already got that one. Um, oh yeah, it wasn't really a question. It was just, a uh, yeah, the, just a response. Yeah. To that. Okay. <laughs> um, Jesus guys, you're blowing things up. Let's see. <laughs> I don't try to catch up. Let's see. And uh, it's a game made for players, um, with the intent of being really fun, easy win. Definitely. I, I think that's the thing too, is that the people that play it, like they have one of those things where the intent or sorry, not the intent. When they're interviewing people, they ask them like, what MMOs are you playing? What are your favorite MMOs? Like, that's the thing is that down to like, I've made this joke, but probably even down to their janitorial staff, they're asking like, what MMOs do you play? <laughs> and it, it's just, you can tell that everyone that's working there just loves the genre. And it, it is one, it kind of sometimes reminds me of slasher films because occasionally there's a really good one and you love it. And like you say, like, yeah, I love slasher films. And then like, but yeah, you look at most of them, like all these suck. Sometimes I feel like that is with MMOs where like there occasionally there's a really good one. You have tons of fun. And then you're like, but most of them suck. And, and uh, like, you're always waiting for that really, really good one to come out because you've had that one before and you like, you want it again. Um, when you were a kid and had low expectations. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so much harder. And then you rewatch it and you're like, why did I even like yeah, it? So literally like best advice I can give to anybody is never rewatch your favorite childhood movie unless it's a Disney movie. But like, <laughs> one of my favorite childhood movies was Van Helsing, <laughs> and we rewatched it recently. And I was like, "Oh my god, no! I ruined it for myself now." <laughs> um, yeah, funny I, story, but that's what... that's my bit of advice: don't rewatch your favorite childhood movies. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. Jason Goes to Hell is the best Jason movie. Uh, and I'm kind of disappointed that was the first one I saw because then I realized that there was no uh, other supernatural shit in the other movies. Um, let's see, Ninja Worm was saying. That oh, I was gonna. Sorry, one second. You should resubmit the poll and then actually announce it. So oh my god, I'm not gonna. We we. It was it was very subtle when it popped I, up. I don't know. I'm not gonna <laughs> retype it. it. Took forever. We'll maybe we'll do that at the end. Um, so Ninja was Ninja Worm was saying that I'm with Jamie and that there were a lot of amazing things in Arc Age but it didn't manage to live up to its promise. I loved Arc Age is one of those things where it definitely is like a kind of a heartbreaking thing because it was, I, I came into it late. I didn't find start playing it until like this year and, or maybe it was last year, but I was like, God, this game could have been massive. This game could have been so many different things. And it, it does kind of break my heart because I, when I was playing it, playing it, I was like, God, I love this game. And then I, as I'm getting through, I'm starting to see all those issues from the, um, not the developers, but the, the, um, publisher come through and I'm like, oh my God, like why, why did someone, why did they have to get their hands on it? And it, it was very kind of heartbreaking. Let's see. Uh, Negro Tango is on a 90% delivery. Uh, they, they deliver about 90%. Honestly, even 90% is a bunch. Even if it had half, like I'd still be happy. Um, let's see. It's a, uh, it's the first, let's see. It's fun first mentally. And then if it's, uh, if it's mentality. Oh God, it's, yeah, it's sorry. It's fun first mentality. And then if it's fun first, the money will come. And Steven believes in that all the way. I, I agree. I that's agree. Should how, <laughs> just, 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 that's, that's how games should be developed. Just, 
you just don't see it. <laughs> um, Women's Rin was saying that uh, while they're waiting for AOC, they're also very tempted for Embers Adrift. I just don't, I wouldn't get your hopes up too high with Embers Adrift unless you set the expectation to realize like most people just barely heard about them and now they're already releasing and it definitely looks like it's a already very dated game. So as long now, as you let, let everybody be excited. No, I'm, that's <laughs> not what I'm saying. So as long as you go in with that expectation, it's just, I was excited about it too. And then I was like, I just heard about this. There's barely anyone following their project. When I say barely anyone, they only have like 5,000 followers. It's only like 3,000 or something. Yeah. So it's like 5,000 subscribers on their YouTube. And I'm like, uh, for a game that requires a lot of people to be there and to group up with, you feel like they should have given more people time to learn about the game. So I, I am worried about Embers Adrift, but that has been one that a lot of people have talked about. I think um, some of our community members have either tried the beta or were interested in the beta. So, I mean, if it, if it is fun, let us know and we'll definitely try it out. I'm just worried that they're not going to have the fan base behind it for a game that's supposed to be very social. And that's mainly because of, I just barely heard about it and now they're doing a full release and that always makes me weary. But again, I have a bias now from watching Ashes and the open development and following it for so long. Where if I just hear about a game and it's just coming out, I kind of get like a little like, oh, I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're starting to change our reactions. To yeah. So what, my, we, what we expect. Right. So the kind of, that's more of like a, my preference kind of thing. But if, if it's cool, you guys should let us know because maybe we'll try it out. Uh, what's this? Oh. Oh, cool. Oh, we, we just, get a... yeah, it just said with. Yay. Thank so oh, much. thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, thank you for that. Uh, let's see. Surgeon General, I'm interested in the new um, Epic. Um, oh, the League of Legends kind of MMO. I think that would be really cool, too. Um, that's something that I'm kind of interested in. Uh, like, like I said, there's so many different types of MMOs now, too. It, that's one of the things where, where you do kind of see that the, the player base of MMOs has kind of split. So that kind of does make sense why the player base is kind of lower for say like world of warcraft only having a hundred uh, a million players right there's so many different mmos spread out where we have a lot more options and i because people have brought up too like do you think that the riot mmo is going to compete with ashes and i really don't think it's going to be going to i think that riot will probably have more of like a theme park feel to it kind of similar to wow um, and that's mainly from my thought process because gross, uh, ghost crawler is going to be working on it. So I, I really think that these things can interact in the same space. And I think that they offer different things where I think ashes is going to have this more nostalgic, older kind of feel to MMOs with updated systems. And there's nothing wrong with having like a league of legends MMO where it's a lot more, uh, theme park base where you're, you're learning the story. like they have different charms to them for different reasons. So I, there is a ton of tribalism when it comes to like MMOs of like this game, good, this game, bad. And it's just like, honestly, because I used to lift a lot too. Um, power lifters would make fun of bodybuilders, which would, we would both make fun of crossfitters. So it's kind of that kind of thing where it's like, you don't do my thing. So you suck where it can be like, well, we can take things from each other and kind of learn things and okay, maybe I'll dip into your game a bit to try things. So I, I try to not think of it in that kind of landscape of they're competing and more hoping that they can make each other better. 
So the better the games are, the better the other games can be. Absolutely. And that's kind of what Steven touched on in the very beginning of the video when he was talking about how Ashes of Creation essentially is going to be just be a lot of everybody's favorite things across multiple different games kind of wrapped up into one. Right. That's the thing too. And I, I've never thought of Ashes as being a wow killer. Like Blizzard's doing that to themselves. They don't need, they don't need, intre <laughs> don't need Intrepid's help with that. Um, and I think that's a way to think about it. It's just, don't, don't try to think if this game's going to compete with that game or whatever. It's just, which one do you like the most? And that's all that really matters. And at the end of the day, it just matters what game do you want to succeed? What game do you like the most? And then fucking play that game, man. Play that game till you're, you're blue in the face. <laughs> all right. I know that was a. That was a long tangent. That was. That was a long one. I don't even remember the question, honest. Uh, it was. Oh, yeah. The amount of players. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I know. We have it up there on the screen. It reminds me. I do. I just read it. <laughs> All right, guys. You, everyone's getting very... All right, guys. Still another, like, 20 minutes. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. We're, no, we'll get through this. We'll have another 40 minutes of this podcast. It'll be another three-hour podcast for me to end. Okay. Question number 14. Okay. How Six more to go. Along with completion of class combat... Are you? Is that like <laughs> that laugh was so funny? <laughs> Are we going to see the summoner cleric mage rogue bard before Alpha Two? Yes, we will see some of those before Alpha Two. Um, how far are we along with that class completion? Well, there's a lot that goes into making a quote unquote class, right? Um, when we talk about what the crux of that is. It's the ability system, right? It is uh, creating these unique abilities that have sometimes very bespoke mechanics that are involved. Um, that I really like uh, the word bespoke. <laughs> Margaret's like, hey, I'm smile. <laughs> I'm like, I know. I forget. Sometimes I get too uh, a little clinical when I talk about design, so I apologize for that. But um, yes. So uh, to answer that question, um, a lot of it is ability system. A lot of it is um, the combat field, the movement. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, weapons that you're using. And we've made a lot of progress as part of defining what those weapons are, how they feel, how they look, um, doing, uh, implementing the actual mechanics for them, uh, that are present in game now, um, and taking what we've learned from each of these and taking them on to the next class and to the next ability. Um, and we constantly are building up that kind of repertoire of mechanics that are available in the ability system. Keenan and Adam have done an amazing job in supporting from an engineering perspective um, what capabilities are provided to the design team uh, in order to create these abilities. Um, but then there is a lot of art that's required to sell the ability as well. It's not just the design and engineering that's necessary. It's Jim and John and Matt and the VFX team and the technical art teams um, that are accompanying the visuals and the effects for those types of uh, abilities. And it's the sound effects requirement from Kat and her team to um, you know, to create that tactile feeling, that auditory, um, really important component that associates with the visuals, um, selling those types of abilities. So even when in a pipeline, you have design completing what the mechanics of the ability are, there is still the following steps, which are finalizing the visual effects for those abilities, and then handing that off to, um, to audio, to audio, to, to incorporate the sound effects that accompany the visual effects. And before those can even begin, <laughs> it's also animation. <laughs> it's also Quite animation process. work that's required as well, because you know, that, that pipeline is a long one. Um, 
So when we talk about how, how are we doing in completion, um, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good on that front. Um, you guys will continue to see updates as uh, they uh, become available and are prepped for a front-facing perspective so that you guys can give your feedback. And we have another one that's coming up relatively soon um, to showcase Clark. as well. Summoner and oh Claire. Where'd my mouse go? Oh my God, hold on. Uh-oh. What is... Oh my God, no, stop. Oh my God, last one. That's for a second. Um, yeah, so there was there was a talk. I, th I think it was during Alpha 1, and it was a question about... Um, it was a question about why they hadn't changed something. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but they had talked about it takes six hours... Uh, sorry. Each each ability takes about six hours of coding, at least previously it, it did. So there was a there was probably one of the reasons why after the transition from Unreal Engine four to Unreal Engine five of why it took a long time to see combat come back out and for them to talk about it. So I definitely would I would be very surprised if they were far further along on the class kits in combat. And especially Nuka thing was saying that combat isn't done. And this guy wants to know that class completion. Where and and Stephen talks about in this too, where they are taking almost the foundation of other things to build on top, because I feel like it's a lot easier to then change the coding or or you know add other different types of animation when you've got you know say you're got an animation for using dual wielding axes, you can probably put daggers in there. It's a similar movement pattern, so that they're going to be able to play around with that and thing too like we, we barely seen all the classes and, and i think probably that's going to be one of the harder things for them to do is to get all 40 to 30 different abilities going and then also get all the classes done i, I feel like that's a pretty hefty amount of work to do and i, I don't think it's one where they're going to be you know like for the um nodes how they're probably going to be able to design a tool that will be able to randomly generate what the town looks like and all these different things based off of, you know, the aesthetic and the buildings and, and all these things where I don't think you can design that tool when it comes to your classes. So a lot of this stuff is going to have to be manually done. And so there's a, there's a lot more work, I think, that goes behind designing the classes, making sure the class identity is good. And I think that even goes beyond even doing like the aesthetics of, of the character because there is so much of like, well, what makes this attack feel separate from this attack? I liked what near, uh, Nuclear Tango said. Long explanation into, we are doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll keep moving forward. Um, Wimogen said that the Ranger uh, looked good. Excited to see the Summoner. We are too. Uh, so we're predicting it. Also, this this is a massive uh, dose of copium. The ranger mixed with summoner. <laughs> Maybe we'll see cleric mixed with summoner and get some necromancer going on for for Halloween. That would be really cool. Leveling progression experience, <laughs> considering node citizenship and the lack of much fast travel from land shark ten or X. Sorry, the intended leveling. Oh, this is interesting. So. We know that we don't have a lot of fast travel. When we think about faster travel and what's available to us, we do have node-to-node -node travel. And that starts out as land travel. So essentially, <clears throat> you can visit a building within a node and you can pay a fee and you can take a faster travel route across roads 
that we know that Vera has an ancient roadway system um, that was present uh, prior to the fall. And that's utilized as part of these nodes when they pop up. Uh, they create connection points to these arteries, these, these road arteries essentially within the world. Um, and the very basic building that you'll have access to starting at a Noge village stage of three is to jump on one of your land mounts if you have a land mount, pay a fee and take a faster route to a nearby node. Now, you can upgrade that building at later stages and that can now become a flight path as well. And that flight path can have longer direct connections to other nodes that also have a flight path upgrade. In addition, we have scientific nodes that when a metropolis is achieved, provide within network, within network of that metropolis's vassal structure, the ability to teleport to nodes as well. So there is some faster travel that becomes available as the world progresses. So the intended leveling progression experience will start out different than it likely ends, right? When the world is new, when things are fresh, when there's not much nodes or, or development that's occurred, much of your experience will be localized unless you choose to spend the time. And there must be meaning behind that choice, I'm assuming, right? So that travel is meaningful. <laughs> when you choose to spend that time traveling, you can leave that locality. But early in the game's uh, experience will likely be very localized. And as the world progresses and options become more available for you to have faster travel across large swaths of land, then that experience might be less localized and there might be more travel towards faraway lands or dungeons or points of interest in order for you to capitalize on. So I would, trying to answer this question best, the intended leveling progression is intended to be something that changes over time and that's predicated on the state of the world. That's the best answer. I, can <laughs> I love <have>. that. <laughs> okay. Question. Is, that is something that's really interesting is because when, when we first join in, right, for, for everyone who's been here at, at, at the start, the, the world will be completely empty. <laughs> You won't have leveled nodes. You won't have metropolis. You won't have any of those things. When you come in as a Brit, as a new player, a year after that, you're walking into a completely different leveling experience. You're going to now have access to mounts. You're going to have access to flight paths. You're gonna have all these things, but you're not going to have that same experience as the people who first dove into the game. And I, I always thought that was kind of something that was really cool and, and unique to this is that the game changes over time and the experience changes over time. I also wonder how that's going to play towards someone entering the game for the first time. It's like, it, it, I know because we play different survival games and when you start off at that like level where there's, there's nothing available, you, you can't, uh, you can't do anything and you really feel yourself become more powerful and powerful over time and, and more things become available to you. Like you get this really cool sense of progression. And I, I do wonder how that will work for players that come in much later after, after the nodes have already been developed. It's going to be a totally different feel. Right. <laughs> and um, I, I thought it was pretty cool of, of talking about how, you know, if certain nodes have the building that allows for flight paths, you can connect to other ones with flight paths. So it, it, that, that's just really cool. It's based off of like how the server progresses and how fast you can get to certain places. 
Uh, I, I did see when this was rolling out, there were a lot of people that don't want teleportation. Um, not so much, I guess, in the sense of like the node to node, but they, they really were talking about like, you know, they don't want that wow, fast travel where you can teleport and have different, all these different portals. I'm kind of on the fence. I, I'd have to, I have to feel out the game to see how I feel about teleporting. I think one of the things that could be really cool is that with, um, excuse me, I, I don't know if it will be with scribing or what, what, um, profession, but it would be very cool if you could create teleportation scrolls and stuff like that, where it would let you teleport back to your, your home node or, or things, things of that nature, which would make it one, maybe those scrolls are very rare. It also gives a, a point to having that and why you would want those things. Or I, I just think there's a lot of interplay that could come with not having a lot of different modes of fast transportation. I agree. <laughs> We're reading the chat. Uh, Skyx says, back in my day, we didn't have mounts to just carry us around the level. We just had to walk and run from bears. <laughs> <laughs> you can't so, wait to be a parent. It's actually like, it's to the point now that I've gotten so spoiled by having mounts. Plus, that's also something that like I really enjoy in a game. Um, hence animal husbandry, my, my thing I want to do. But anyway, um, that if I'm playing a game that doesn't have some kind of like mounted travel, um, it just feels yucky. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's the bare minimum is I need I need a mount. I don't care if it flies. I don't care. I just need a mount to, to travel from. Something to make me go a little faster than run speed. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was like the first thing we would do. We'd be, when we were in Alpha 1, we'd load in. We're like, which, which node is level 3? <laughs> you guys have, you have mounts yet? And we just book it. We just run all the way through and, uh, and, and get all the way over there. So well, that, that was like with um, Conan Exiles too, when they introduced mounts. Oh yeah, the we would just run so much. Like you used to only stay in like one little spot because it took so long. It was so dangerous to travel, and then <laughs> so yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Um, I think somebody asked was uh, Web Rudgeon asked the road travel automated which I am not sure on that one. I would think it would possibly be, maybe you could like cancel. Um, so they just kind of like auto run down the, the pathway, the ancient pathway, as Steven said. Um, and maybe you could cancel, cancel the fast travel. If like you see like an event or something that you want to jump in. So I know in Arcage they had like caravans that would go back and forth that you could jump onto and you still had control of your character. Like if you wanted to jump off of it, you could still jump off of it. I think probably in the flying mounts, you're not gonna, it'll, it'll probably, I mean, unless you could dive bomb off of it and jump off of it. I, I would assume that the, the flight paths you most likely will have to go, but any type of caravan or, or, or other travel system where it's bringing you along the road, you probably will be able to jump on and off of, I, I would assume. But again, that's still just an assumption based off of other games. <laughs> Nuclear Tangos um, said in response to SkyX, it's like that quote, we had to walk uphill to school both ways. <laughs> I've I've heard, yes, I've heard Let's, parents say that before or grandparents. <laughs> it's so funny. That's the thing is that second wave AOC players will not know how good they have it. <laughs> Number 16. If we call ourselves I'm the like, Elder Ashes. <laughs> I'm 50 meters away but I'm prone or crouched. Um, you won't be able to go prone, just an FYI. Um, <clears throat> and the jury's still out on the crouched. 
we're, we're still talking about that. That's something that will require player feedback. In a bush, will my nameplate be visible? Will ashes of creation lessen the visibility of nameplates based on the above so the players can stalk their prey? Um, so <clears throat> in this, <clears throat> in a sense, <clears throat> excuse me, in a sense, um, there are ways for you to obscure your nameplate. Um, much of that, um, obscurity will come from line of sight related obstructions. If I'm behind a tree, if I'm in a large bush, those are ways that you could potentially obstruct the visibility <clears throat> of your nameplate. However, with that being said, the spirit of what I believe this question is attempting to achieve is the ability to reduce visibility of your character and your presence within an area. And in that sense, because we are more traditional in the sense of the number of skills that are afforded each archetype, we have particular skills that are intended to do just that. Those types of skills are things like camouflage. They are things like stealth and invisibility. Um, they are things like disguises that can be used to perhaps even change Disguise. your nameplate and visual appearance. I like that. I thought that was really cool. Um, we really want to be able Spriding. to leverage <laughs> utility-based skills in your skill tree composition so that if you would like to spec into this type of role, there are particular archetypes that excel better at those things. Um, and that helps sell class fantasy, right? And there are really cool mechanics that you can incorporate as part of that. We have a lot of objective-based gameplay. Your ability to move unseen on the battlefield is an important component of objective-based gameplay. Um, so I would delegate a majority of that functionality you're attempting to achieve in this question outside of the realm of just in-world obfuscation and more into the realm of class role and class kits. Um, and yes, the answer is we do have those abilities. Okay, question. <laughs> so I did find that kind of interesting because I, I had, I was wondering too, like, you know, would you be able to kind of hide? Would you be able to keep yourself from being viewed? And then it kind of would go against the spirit of some of the classes of being able to camouflage and being able to, to, I guess, disguise. Um, I want to know where, I want to know the disguise. No, I want to know That's more, very cool. more, tell me more. Like, <laughs> like how you, I think there was a thing that I don't know if it was a wish or someone was talking about like ways to disguise your nameplate. If you, if you were corrupt. I think it'd be kind of cool if you like you threw a hood on or something and, and you couldn't like if your face was kind of obscured, you wouldn't be able to tell who the character is or you get a read off of them or yeah. even, like, a rogue <laughs> ability or something that did that. I think, I think that'd be a pretty cool um, interplay. Um, and, and then I, I hope they keep the crouch uh, just from, I, it, it made me think back to the original Unreal Engine 5 showcase that we saw where he was kind of climbing, you know, able to crawl underneath things and, and, and move up and over things. And I think it, I would like to be able to traverse the world a bit more in, instead of just being, I can kind of run and mantle on things. I, I like the idea of being able to crouch. I could understand how that could lead to some gameplay issues, but I, I, I want more options of my positioning rather than, than less options. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that one. I think. If it doesn't really contribute too much to your hiding, I think regardless, it still is a nice thing to have just so you 
Yeah, I, like I would said, say have more options. <laughs> I would say even if it doesn't really affect Linus, I, I I personally would like to have that as an option. Especially because you can like jump and climb on everything for the most part. Right, let me so, crawl under. Let's so like, yeah, let's let's crouch and stuff too. Yeah, crouching like little hidden areas and stuff you can crouch under. That would be cool. Um, I don't really have too much other input on that other than what was said. Yeah, they definitely kind of started to slow down towards the end of uh, as we are going. 17. Will archetypes like the tank or bard be as viable as DPS or healers in small-scale PvP, such as ranked arenas? From Gorilla. Um, and I apologize, but the last question was asked by Legitimate Device 33. And if you have to say you're a legitimate device, are you a legitimate device? No, I'm just kidding. I, I think that's that. okay. <laughs> The answer to the question is uh, tanks and bards will be viable in PvP. Yes, they will be. Um, and the reason for that is, is the design philosophy of a rock, paper, scissors type of relevancy across our trinity of class systems, right? Um, and that is the ability um, for you to have opponents that you are naturally better against because of the types of class composition, uh, skill compositions you have available to you in your class kit. Um, so short answer to that question, yes. Good, good. Not really too much to touch on that other than I'm happy to hear that as someone who primarily only plays tanks. I, that One of my biggest gripes is that when I... I have played PVP before as a tank. There's times where it kind of feels pointless, where I just feel like a giant sack of health that can't hit. I, and I understand that there can be some interplay, but I do like the idea that there may be some type of rock, paper, scissors, where maybe I'm there to take out the healer or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, have I played, have we played New World? Not yet. It is on the list of like things for us to, to test out, but we have not. It's kind of, yeah, we're, we, after the really rocky, um, we were in the middle of moving when it came out, so we didn't get a chance to hop on when it launched, which probably isn't a bad thing. But you, then after exactly. we heard how rocky the launch was, we just kind of decided we'd wait to try it out until they they figured it out and finished their game. <laughs> yeah, so so we haven't come back. But you're saying that the PvP is super, the PV, tanking PvP is super lame. Most games do kind of seem like they fail on it. Uh, Wimmerdrum says there's an old WoW video about. Um, PVP being rock, paper, scissors. And I really like that. I think our last podcast, I talked about that the pursuit of balance kind of destroys games where you're constantly buffing things and nerfing things and buffing things and nerfing things instead of looking at, like, does it make sense that this character is going to destroy this character? Like, I'm going to be honest, if my tank gets messed up by a mage, it kind of makes sense to me, especially if they're hitting me with lightning bolts and they're zapping my plate mail just seems like you could electrify me and kill me but it also seems like if i can get up on you real quick and take you out that your cloth is not going to protect you against my axe so i do like the idea of having that rock paper scissors even though there may be some pairings where it's very frustrating and like you're going to have to learn of like how do i how do i work against this class what other skills do i need available to myself and i think it, it makes you think more so I, I like that too, is I, I like having a bit of, of needing to think of things when you're, you're, when you're playing. I really don't like brain dead gameplay. We kind of jumped back into WoW recently and there has been a lot of times where we're playing and I'm like, I'm kind of done. Like I, I haven't had to think of it. I just keep pressing one to charge and then kill things and with my rotation and that's it. Um, 
So I, I like the idea. Gotten pretty null pretty quick, and it. I feel like we already got bored a bit faster than I was expecting. I, I mean, I, again, <laughs> I still will probably jump in here and there because of we we got like we did, whatever. Probably once Dragonflight launches, we'll probably pop back in again. It's it's a good it's a good like if I have like an hour to kill, kind of jump in, and also because right. there's nothing else to play at the moment. But I, I definitely got real bored of it real quick. Uh, let's see. Uh, New York Tango was saying that their mage will be clad in plate. It also makes sense because you can wear whatever armor and whatever weapons that you want to use. <laughs> battle mage. Hell yeah. Um, let's see. Ninja worm. I would still like to see a semblance of balance. The pursuit of perfection is not necessary, but I don't want to see a situation where a certain class attacks me and there's no point of fighting back because their class just beats me. I would agree. There needs to be some type of where it doesn't feel overly punishing to fight against that class. But I, I do feel like it, they shouldn't be balanced, I guess. Like I said, there, there, there should be some type of tipping of you need to spec out yourself in a certain way to be able to combat that. And you might come up against other, other again, too, like it, it shouldn't, I, I think there's going to be pretty rare instances where it's 1v1. And that was where it would feel really bad. Because again, I, uh, I, this has been brought up before by Steven is that they are basing their balance off of the eight man group, which can, would be comprised of each archetype. So it, it is hard to say of, you know, what is a, are there going to be three man PVP things or, or, or certain things like that. And then, yeah, that does start to start looking a bit muddy, especially one V one. Like it's not going to feel good. If you know, you're paired up with a class, that's just going to kill you. Right. <laughs> so um, I think a positive though is because there's so many classes I think it's going to take a lot of trial and error before the players themselves actually figure out which class if there is any that are like the the nukes <laughs> right because like you know unless the meta becomes you take the initial class and then check tank if that way everyone has a really good health <laughs> but then you find someone who starts figuring out how to like get around the armor and then you know, keep, keep going and, and updating with that. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. That's definitely something that's got to be tested. And I, I, I think the time to kill, like if, if obviously there should never be a, a time where it's like this class normally takes 40 seconds to kill this, but when it comes to this, it kills them in like three seconds. Like, obviously we don't, we're not looking for that, but I, I think that having some type of where it's the scale is kind of always moving. Wouldn't be too bad. Uh, let's see, uh, Nukatango was saying that, well, you may be able to build into a spec that makes you able to beat those uh, counterclasses if played properly. Right, because that's the thing is that you are going to be able to change that secondary archetype. They haven't talked, gone into how it's going to be able to be done and that they still want that initial choice to have a lot of weight to it because they want it to make, um, be meaningful. But at, at the same time, you, you may be able to swap that out force different situations and try to see if there's a better setup. All right. So we'll move on to that next one. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. Question number 18. If a node gets destroyed yes. in a siege <laughs> or due to atrophy, um, will it like be behind evidence, physical ruins? NPC dialogues in other towns. And this is from Yawanosi or Yawanok. Sorry. 
Um, <clears throat> when a node gets destroyed, uh, there actually is a period of time in which oh, yay. it exists in a ruined <laughs> <Yes>. state. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, during that ruined state, the node proper, which is the footprint of the node, and this is something new that we um, changed a, a while ago, uh, but I don't think we've ever discussed yet. Um, that footprint of the node, the actual grounds of the node itself, this, the city, uh, becomes ruins with treasures inside of it. And those treasures yeah. are essentially, uh, derived from certain things that the node accomplished either through the relic system or trophies or goods that were brought there into the warehouse or can come from certain types of service buildings. And that I was trying not to interrupt this, but we did just get raided by, uh, the, the, by Jesus, the, the golden, golden, feather feather <laughs> the golden feather tavern. Um, so thank hey. you guys so much for that. Thank you for coming and hanging out. We're, uh, we're basically doing a play by play and giving our response to these, these questions. So thank you guys for coming and hanging out. Really appreciate that. Uh, we, we definitely knew this would be a long one too. We're coming up to like two and a half hours. I know. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but, but thank you guys so much for coming and hanging out and, and hanging out with us. Uh, so we're going to, we're diving into this, but I will talk to everyone after. I just didn't want everyone to feel ignored. Like we weren't, we weren't chatting. Those, those, uh, thanks for the, um, for a number of to days do. to the node level. <laughs> and during that time, um, it's doing a few things. One. It is an open PVP ground. Anyone who chooses to enter the city proper ruins can try to find treasures in that area, right? And it takes time to kind of dig up the treasures. It takes tools to dig them up. You, this is something you're opting into doing. And during that time, other players might be in the area as well, and they might choose to take advantage of the fact that you're there and kill you and take those things, or you can take their things and kill them, but it's an opt-in zone. The second thing it's providing is an opportunity for the nearby nodes that perhaps were prevented from advancing in level due to that previous node having been there. Um, they have an opportunity to kind of progress before that node pops up again as a crossroads or as a, as an encampment. <clears throat> That's another thing that it's providing. Um, and so to answer the question shortly, there is evidence that's left behind in those physical ruins, essentially that a siege was successful and was completed here. I love that so much. Question. The treasure hunting too, but like, ah, I'm so excited. <laughs> because I've been wondering too, like what happens once it fully gets deleveled. So I like that the fact that you will be able to see that there's going to be some type of evidence left behind of there was something here previously. And then everyone can kind of like run over there and start looting. It's an opt-in zone where you can go and you can decide to like loot stuff. And there are probably other, like some PVP options to go on in there. I was going to say, there's probably going to be some people who get a little uh, rowdy <laughs> trying to get to the loot first and right, have some, like, get it in their way. <laughs> you'll have your bandits and everything like that. It, it's, it sounds so cool. Uh, it sounds more interesting than where, wow, archaeology. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> wow, archaeology is painful. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's going to pop and everyone's going to be ready to go and, and, and charge in there and get stuff. But I think that's really cool that there will be some type of visual evidence because I was wondering how that would, that would work too, of like, are we going to just have flat ground? And then I liked how he said too, of like, it will have a locked out period where these other nodes around it will get to try to level up prior to 
those starting to rebuild themselves. So that way you do have time of, you know, say, say it was part of the vassal that decided that, Hey, we're going to go and we're going to take this out and we want to try to get this up so that, you know, you could have had some type of like people that were getting upset that the, the taxes being level levied against them may have been too much. They go ahead, they, they you start getting enough people to decide, okay, we're taking down, taking down the other node. So then it gives them time to build that up. And I, I think there's so much cool interplay that comes with a lot of the systems that they are implementing that it, I like, oh, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I like that Vertex said for six days, people are going to be in there with shovels and fireballs. <laughs> That's so great. I know. I, I could see that too. Like, you know, everyone trying to move in, people kind of setting up their own mini camps of like, keep going, refreshing themselves, go back in, see what spoils they can get. It's just, it's so cool. I, I love that idea. Um, oh, now we can do the poll because <laughs> we got more people. That's true. Maybe, maybe the next question, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get that typed out. So we'll move on to the next one, unless anyone else also has some feelings about this and that they want to bring up because we definitely want to hear from you guys too. Anything? All right. I'll start the video. Number 19. That is so funny. It is so funny because Margaret and I were talking yesterday and we were saying there this list of 50 questions. I wonder how many we'll get through in an hour. And we said we'd probably get through 20 and we're on question 19. Okay. <clears throat> Question number 19, when a node develops into a city, if I am logged in 24 seven and I'm staring at the node, what is it doing? I love to this answer question, that question too. When a node has a level up event, it tells the server, tells one of the managers on our server, and it says, hey, I've reached the requirement necessary to level. And when that message, that notify goes up, the manager then says, awesome. We're going to spawn some system-driven caravans at a nearby starting portal. And uh, we're going to send that um, caravan off to the node. And that caravan's not destructible, can't be destroyed. It's just a visual appearance, right? And you have this a bit of fanfare with new supplies coming. You see NPCs that are starting to construct hammer on the buildings there they have supplies that spawn around different areas of the node and you if you're just staring at it what will happen if you're outside of the node you will see an event occur where the node pops into existence essentially there'll be some animations and visual effects that are associated with it and you will see the new facade of the city appear if you're within the city, you will be teleported to a safe location, <coughs> likely a respawn area that's near the city. And you'll be able to watch as the caravan approaches the city, it advances in stage. Um, and <laughs> I remember in Alpha 1 that um, that <laughs> happened a few times where we would just randomly get teleported and we didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I remember too, we had, there was one time there was like this random raptor that that ran by it was like that, a boss yeah. so we we all i think we all jumped on it to kill the raptor and next he was, we, he was like sieging it i think it was like an event that popped up for the node but yeah <laughs> yeah we took out the raptor and the next thing you know like you're almost like what the, we just killed it did it crash and then we, we didn't so we, we didn't even get a chance to loot it because it like it propped the um 
the node leveling up. So the second he died, the, the node received the experience that like ported everybody out because he was right at the city gate. And then the, the node leveled up and his corpse was gone. And everybody was like, where's my money? <laughs> uh, Overthrow was saying you get teleported out of your in-node house and then wander around the metropolis trying to find where your new house is. <laughs> For real. I do that too. Like, guys, bad scramble. Yeah. <laughs> has anybody seen my apartment? I don't know where it went. <laughs> but definitely, I'm sure that will be a bit disorienting the first few times you experience that. All right. Alone. I see that there's a, Quick, a I hope. question. Um, <laughs> of what is a world manager. A world manager is a technical term to define uh, a server process that kind of lives alongside the game server. And when the game server needs to do things that it's communicating with other game servers within the, the grid, um, it tells that manager and that manager sends it down to the appropriate server. Um, so that's essentially- Sorry. <laughs> I was laughing okay. at what he said. <laughs> I think this might be our last question. Question number 20. Should I choose 20 or should I choose a good one? 20 might be a good one. In order. Yeah, that's true. How many active skills? We kind of already answered this one. How many active skills will we expect to be able to slot? That's really up to kind of, I mean, it's going to be different. It depends. Um, it's going to be based on how you allocate your skill points um, between passives and actives and how you uh, um, might invest in more active skills because those can have additional investments in them. Um, so it just kind of depends. A rough shot there is going to be around probably the 15 to 20-ish, I would say, is is where it's... Uh, Ver Vertek was saying that he loves how basically said, yo, question 20 sucks. I, I agree too. He was like... We... And validated it by, I mean, like, we should do one more question. I'm going to pick a random one. Yeah. Can, we, can we do a better question? <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was funny too. He did try to save it though. He's like, maybe it's a good question. <laughs> if I will ask one more question, I'm just going to do um, a random one here, real quick. And this will be our <laughs> last one. Okay. Will there, okay, this is from Yin Kirby. Question number 31, if you want to bring that up. Will there be any castle sieges in the ocean? This was exciting. Where ships can be involved. And the answer is yes. I love that. Castle. There is a specific castle and some nodes <clears throat> that are within um, range of ships. Um, now, on the node front, the ships really wouldn't be involved directly in the siege assault. However, there will be some nodes that have ownership over certain points of interests, such as harbors. And those points of interest during siege will have some objective-based gameplay that can be interfaced with from a naval's perspective. There are certain castles, I believe there's just one, that can be affected and is intended to be affected purely by the Navy. Um, and then when you're on foot and you go into the castle, that's a different story. Um, so that was our last question. I hope that you guys enjoy Pause the that. I know that. So the first thing that makes me want to do is try to figure out which castle that is. <laughs> I know. Go develop that node. <laughs> I know that sounds like so much fun. I just, the idea, like they said too, like you can't really like attack the node with the ship, but th there'll be things you can attack. Of like being able to attack the harbors and stuff like that. Like it just sounds so fun. I don't, 
I never thought when 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 we were watching Ashes or learning about Ashes that the idea of being a pirate would be something that started drawing me more and more into it. But the more I start hearing about, it, for some reason, the the open PvP in this in the ocean, and then and then this, it's like, man, I I didn't think I'd be excited about naval content. And the more that they keep talking about it, the more I'm like, God, I I kind of think I'm going to be on the ocean a lot more than I thought I would be. <laughs> Same. Well, we played Sea of Thieves a bit, and like that's a very like basic game with basic controls and it's it's hella fun guys like if yeah it's really if fun. you have it a minute really go a play that game it's very fun especially if you play it with friends um we actually talked about that being our uh one of our community night games is uh playing sea of thieves um we do that saturday nights uh 8 30 p.m eastern uh we we try to find some games we can play with community members and, and that's kind of what i think we might throw on the rotation people have, <laughs> people friends. have friends no that's why we all we play it with our kids we we made friends is essentially <laughs> we had, yeah, i was gonna say we had to create friends uh, <laughs> they're finally getting old enough that they're useful no i'm just kidding <laughs> but no none of us has friends that's why no one talks to mmos anymore we had, <laughs> we had to remove all the systems to make people talk again uh, let's see i'm not moving my caravans across the ocean without a carrier group escort I know it, it just, I want to know too, like how big of a benefit is it, right? To take these materials from one coast to the other coast. And it makes me wonder too, of like, are there resources on one side that the other side just does not have access to without that, you know, the, the ship going back and forth. So then like you could be making a killing off of actually taking the time to move those caravans back and forth across the ocean. Well, yeah, I mean, Steven said again and again, high risk, high reward is kind of like a recurring theme <laughs> with with this game. So I would imagine that that would be a scenario where there's going to be some resources that are on one continent and not on the other. And if you want to really, really bank from it, you have to put out a ton of risk. <laughs> <laughs> but see, there's, yeah, there's like two main themes of Ashes of Creation is one is the variation between how much uh customization we're gonna have to us not just in just our character creator but also in the way that our classes are designed using the augments to how our skills are going to be set up there's going to be so much variation in this game and then paired with that variation is the high risk high reward gameplay and that that push and pull and I, that's so fun to be able to there's a lot there's something that you don't get a lot out of other games where you don't have a lot of risk, where it doesn't really feel like when I'm out here, there's no real threat. I, I, like I said, we, we jumped back into WoW for a little while and I kept joking with Annie that I can't die. Like I, I'm, I'm playing a tank and like, I just, I can't die unless I do something really dumb. But like, I'm, I'm trying and to- And then he died in a raid after gloating about it <laughs> and I had to rub his face in it. <laughs> anyway. I was, in my defense, I wasn't paying attention at all. <laughs> Let's see. Um, uh, DJ Vertech was saying, uh, how are you going to get your oranges if you don't go to the sun, 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 sunshine <laughs> continent? See? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You got to go over the, the other side to get the oranges. Uh, Nuclear Tango says that drops from mobs will be worth more when selling to vendors and nodes that are far away areas, which, you know, incentivizes you one to not only travel with materials there, but also to go and go to those areas and to travel. And we had a uh, conversation weeks ago talking about it was around the time that they had the um what you would like to see uh, for mayors making events and things like that 
And one of the things that we had talked about would be, be really cool if mayors could host like tournaments and fairs and things like that, not just for your own citizens, but for that uh, citizens of other nodes and other areas to come to, because one, they're going to be taxed on the things that they buy and, and, and do there, but it would be a really cool way to like almost have that, like that cultural trade between different nodes and, and find ways to bring people in like in, in a diplomatic way. And also to, you know, build relations between different metropoli. Let's see. Yes. I know. I really hope somebody somewhere hears or sees that suggested and puts a bug in Steven's ear and they add it. That would be very cool. Let's see. Uh, and then Penumbral, uh said, on the other hand, at the time being, the nodes will all be low level as mobs will level up as a nodes level. Traveling at the start will not be insanely dangerous. We, uh, we, had, we talked about this earlier where the gaming experience between the pioneers, right? All of us that have been here from the start jump in is going to be a completely different gaming experience for people that come in a year later where you, we're walking into a world where there's nothing there, where there's no buildings, there's no nodes built up, there's no metropolis. You, you, we're all going to be walking around for a while until we get that village to pop so we can buy mounts or get mounts made. And honestly, that was just something that was an alpha one. So I don't even know if you're going to be able to get mounts without having people actually breed them first. So that, that's a whole nother that's level true. I didn't yeah. even think about. But then you, you, you think. Hit me up, guys. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> then you think years later, like that is not the same gameplay loop because people are going to come in and they might already have a node that's kind of developed in the, their starting area. They're going to be able to get to Metropoli faster. So it is really interesting uh, how the game will change over time for different players. Uh, let's see. Nukertango says, so if you kill a curse charger in your node zone of influence and get a pelt vendor item, it may only be worth one gold per pelt to your NPC vendor. But if you travel to a node on the opposite side, it may be worth five gold per pelt to that NPC, which is really cool. Um, Annie's, uh, Annie's brother, my, my brother-in-law, he, he was talking about he's playing Mortal Online 2 right now. And he was saying that it, it, there's this area where it's, it's really difficult to get the characters over there. They kind of, they kind of create like this caravan, um, where they have this, this one of their friends tames things. So he'll go and he'll tame, um, this turtle. And apparently these sell for like 500 gold, uh, in a different area. So they'll, they'll travel all the way over there, take that risk. And he was saying that like that 500 gold is like hours worth of time for most other people. So it is very cool if you take those risks to travel and deliver things that there's a good chance that you're going to want, it's going to be lucrative. You're going to make money faster. And it's just, it's such a really cool interplay with the whole system. Like it just, it makes you, it makes exploring one, it makes it scary. Like there, there's nothing worse than playing in a game and just, for me personally, of going out in the world and you're out there and it just, it doesn't feel like it matters what you do. How to get the stretch. It's already earned 250. My God. It's been like five stretches. Oh, I know. I need it though, man. Yeah, I need it. My butt's getting sore. No, we need new chairs. <laughs> guys, like the the foam that I sit on is so fine. <laughs> I know, guys, don't get don't get gaming chairs. Invest in ergonomic chairs for the same price. Um, let's see. Uh, Moral on my two's travel is how I expect AOCs to feel dangerous. I just hope that there is a map in game. Yeah, I, I mean, we did see in the UI that we had a mini map, and it's I, I did see some other conversation 
um, about potentially instead of having the map just given to you, maybe it's something that you have to buy. Uh, and I believe too, they, they I, I trying to remember, I thought they talked about having um, fog of war. So I, I would assume that we probably will have a map, but I also think that if they do some type of cartography, that it would be kind of cool if you have to purchase a map or, or things like that. Or obviously as things are just, you create your own map by where you explore. I wonder if that's related to the scribing. I know scribing isn't, uh, cartography, but maybe like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, I'm not really <laughs> sure what scribing is going to be. So it, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what they do with that. Like I said, I could see that being used for like, um, scrolls and things like that. Like, yeah, we're not going to have teleportation, but could you pay a lot of money to get a teleportation scroll? I think that'd be kind of interesting. Uh, you may get, you may get somewhat accurate map locations based off embassies tell you where the quest locations are. Um, yeah, we're talking about having Fog of War on a timer that you need to buy a new map to refresh your Fog of War map. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I personally hope they don't overcomplicate the map too much. I, I like I like Fog of War. Like, I like having kind of like the outline. I don't really know where things are. And then uh, to right. kind of populate that map. I mean, we, we kind of have know what the world map's going to look like. So it, it will be interesting to see okay. how those mechanics come into play. Very excited to see what happens with Alpha 2. I, fingers crossed that we get it to that, uh, that the, the second round of the Alpha, Alpha key purchasers maybe get to jump into that um, spot test, but no one's going to know. So if we're not streaming, there may be a wink that uh, we're doing something um, else. Jamie and I had a loose conversation yesterday night about potentially giving away an Alpha key for christmas but we need to contact um ashes of creation yeah i guess see how that's gonna we work. can do because you need to create an account in order to buy one so we'll see we gotta do some um, detective work not supposed, to, not supposed to spoil things i can't keep secrets guys i'm sorry she can't she cannot it's like every, every this is why this is why i can't do any nda stuff either because no, no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but every every year it's like a month before like my birthday and it's like you want to see what i got you and i'm like no don't it's like here you go and i'm like great what am i gonna do? i buy it like a month early and then i can't i can't keep it away i'm like look but yeah <laughs> it's so, still it's still in the amazon packaging and i'm like open your package but yeah we, we were gonna reach out to intrepid and see like what potential way we could potentially have a raffle or something to to give out an alpha, alpha key um because I, I don't think that's currently possible, but keep it, keep an eye out on that. I think we're going to probably be something we, we announce later on when I have it more figured out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, if you come to the live show, you get inside information. <laughs> we're, we're not entirely sure if we can do it yet. So, but yeah, it, that, there's been talk. <laughs> let's see. But I'm not sure how, maybe like a raffle. I think we might do a raffle. Possibly, yeah, we're still working it sure out. How. Let us know. Let us we, know if you have any ideas. <laughs> when she says briefly, I mean, we talked about it for all of like three minutes. We we're like, yeah, that'd be really cool. I'm like, I should email Intrepid to figure out how we could do that. And that's where that. I know, is. but I, I got so excited though that like, I want to make it happen. So we have to figure out a way to make it happen. Cause yeah, because we were like, oh, we can make the account and so give them the account. It's just, it could be a mess. So I, I want to see if they, maybe they can lend a hand on how to how to handle that. But. That's, that's a later on thing. God damn. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> it's that time of night too where you start getting bored and you're gonna start causing trouble. Now the the chair's starting to swing and I'm <laughs> it's uh if you guys do come to the show more often, you will learn that as as the podcast progresses, the tangents get more and more and more off topic. Once I start getting bored. <laughs> yeah. What was what happened last? I forget what happened in our last episode. You got, oh, I spent a bunch of points to ask a truth or dare question. Oh, yeah. You had me do truth <laughs> and or dare. And, the then, <laughs> and then the chat was really nice because you guys didn't ask anything too difficult. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so what, was, what was the thing that you guys were most excited for? Uh, that we learned through this, through the uh, AMA. Cause I, I'm definitely very interested in, in what the community uh, got the most excited about. I think for me, like one of the, the two was the potential to be in spot tests because I'm a copiomatic. And then the other was the, the potential of <laughs> somehow getting ships involved into the, the node um, sieges, even if they're not going to be acting upon the node um you like the the professions um it was really cool to have a, a list for me professions have always kind of been like a tacked on thing i really do like the idea of having that mini game and being able to test and try that out i think having something that's a bit more interactive would be really fun i think that ends adds a lot more to crafting like, it, like i think i think it adds a bit of uh personalization too to the crafting system, like when you're trying to create that sword and you're taking your time banging it out and trying to get into that that um that outline. Oh, Ninja Worm said, speaking of Targaryens, how about a house of house of the tangents podcast? Bit late in the season now for it, but um maybe next year. Well, firstly, I'm gonna break your heart and I'm gonna tell you that the second season is not coming out until 2024. Yeah, so I am sorry for being the bearer of bad news. But um, we did we did talk actually about doing that, doing like a just chatting segment. But unfortunately, it just didn't quite line up with the timing because um, we we've been very busy. Like I'm in the middle of trying to get my real estate license and stuff, and <laughs> I'm almost there, so close. Um, but then once that happens, I'll be. I I already had it when we lived in New Hampshire, and I'm trying to redo everything all over again now that we're <laughs> where we are now. So. My posture is good. Yeah. <laughs> but so we're in a very busy time, but we've made time for um, doing this podcast and we really wanted to do something with talking about House of the Dragon, but it just didn't quite happen. So that'll definitely probably be for season two. Um, yeah. And also the Jon Snow one that's going to come out. I forget. Was it just called Snow? I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's, <laughs> I know that they're working on it. I just, a lot of the artwork I've seen, I don't know if that's fan made based off of like that release. There, um, I feel like that one would be a very, that would be like a, a mini series. We could throw that up though. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I have been trying to think of that too, of like how we can add additional shows, uh, or multiple podcasts because currently the, the YouTube is completely centered around, um, the tangents of creation, but it would be nice to have like a whole branch. So if you, if you guys do enjoy listening to us talk and you want to hear multiple topics, we could have like our tangents of multiple different things, uh, because it's. I think that's what we're best at is uh, going off the rails and just going on multiple tangents. <laughs> Absolutely. I know we're, we want to have, um, I think we're going to call it our after the ashes podcast. I don't know, but oh, we'll it's like out of the ashes or after the ashes where it was just us going to talk about like our, our actual life or whatever. <laughs> but then there's like, really... the, maybe that's too much of a tie in. 
Yeah, because normally by the time we get to the end of this podcast, like we're getting pretty loopy and <laughs> our weird selves are coming out. So we're thinking about maybe doing a podcast afterwards, but it does get pretty late and we have three young children. So maybe we shouldn't stay up too late. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoy the, uh, the tangents because I'm going to be real honest. I tried, I looked at when we were starting the podcast, we were looking at different layout or I was looking at different layouts and, and different ways to do things. You know, I'm looking at it. I made, there were a few times we created like, you know, a, a, a brief outline. And then I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't stay on topic for shit. Like, oh my God. Yeah. You can tell we're getting tired. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out. I am now realizing that we're at 1130 and I have to be up in like four hours. Uh, so thank you so much for coming, hang out and, and watching us. If you want to see more, make sure you give us a follow and all that cool stuff. Um, you can also find us on, um, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, all the podcast places. You can also find us on YouTube and all that cool stuff. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much, Golden Feather, for for rating us and uh, yes, and send us some awesome. views. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, this probably is going to be that that like around that eight thirty p.m. Eastern is going to be our new time, just because it makes it a lot easier for us to get our show out. Uh, so there's not as many interruptions because we do have three little children that like to bother us uh, while we're trying to get some stuff done. So this allowed us to hang out with you guys and. Um, yeah, hope yeah, it gives you a place to hang out on, on Friday nights and <laughs> and also check out the uh Golden Feather um podcast. Also, they they I think it was like after our first episode, we got to hang out with them and and uh do an episode. I think I've got a podcast that I was on. Um that episode's gonna be coming out soon. I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to talk about it, but I'll talk about it more once. <laughs> I should probably <laughs> ask if uh if I am allowed to talk about that or not. You're like, wait, am I under NDA? <laughs> I don't think there's NDA. I don't think you might. I think I already spoiled it like one of these other times. But um, so yeah, it's been really cool getting to meet other content creators too and getting to meet the whole Ashes community. So if you guys want, we also have a Discord. You can follow us over there. You guys know the drill. Everyone hears it from everybody else. Just, yep. just like I said last time, like, follow, subscribe, bits, cheers. Cheers, all that shit, um, whatever. <laughs> you guys know what to do. Hashtags. We don't <laughs> no. need to remind you. Anyway, thank you guys so much. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> Don't have a TikTok yet. My Twitch. No. <laughs> yeah, your Twitch. She has a Twitch too. And he plays a lot of Conan Exiles. That's, honestly, I think we decided that my Twitch is going to be the degenerate stream. So that's yeah. what we'll probably do the after after dark <laughs> just chatting session. Yeah, when we're done, we'll move it over to your stream. All right, guys. I have, uh, I have, did, I have real life shit to do in the morning. So thank you so much. And we will see you on the next one. Oh my god, I'm using the wrong mouse. Oh, bye. So. I wave every time. That's like our <laughs> signature thing. Just me. <laughs> uh, thank you guys. Have, Have a good night, night everybody.